this week on Invasion, the podcast, there's a Keanu Con. Whoa. We take a look at two versions of Alien 3. And we have an out-of-this-world edition of the Nacho Hat. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. I am Paul. To my left is Steve. Hello, everyone. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed our discussion about um, Infinite Ammo, uh, Chuck Norris with Invasion USA. And thanks again to Ryan uh, for coming on the show and uh, uh, you know asking the hard questions of like, why was that car, that cop car on the beach? And, uh, and why was everybody getting shot in the dick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was a lot of fun and, uh, we have more Canon, Canon Phillips coming. So we go from Charles Bronson to Chuck Norris and we're going to go back to Charles Bronson, uh, this month. So, or I should say for May. So May, yeah, we're, we're in the, 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 the season of Chuck. That's what's going on right now. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. And but now, so uh, before we get into our discussion on the weekend, uh, just, I just always forget to front sell what we're actually talking about. So I figured, you know, we're like 180 some episodes, and I should probably do that. Sure. Uh, Alien Day is coming up here in two days. So it'll be that this, this Thursday. So no, Friday is Alien Day, um, April 26th uh, for LV426. You know, get your Rebox. Yeah, get your Rebox. That I hopefully they're for women now. That would be great yeah. if they did that. Uh, so in honor of Alien Day, I, I challenge Steve to watch um, the assembly cut of Alien 3, and we'll talk about what that means. Uh, and then we also, there was the Alien 3 unproduced screenplay by William Gibson that was turned into a comic. So we're going to have a conversation about both of those things. And we'll try to make it coherent and make sense. Yes. Uh, as opposed to the original theatrical cut of Alien 3. That's that's my, my plan. So uh, the weekend, speaking of movies that may or may not have been a mess, I had Steve over and some... And, uh, uh, actually, it was it was uh, uh, the Northeast uh, Podcast Alliance uniting again um, with uh, Steve here and Kevin of my co-host Strange Highways and uh, El Goro from the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. I invite people over to watch movies in which animals attack people because it's Earth Day. Yeah, it was a wonderful experience. Yeah. I was enlightened beyond <laughs> beyond compare after watching the two films that we took in that night. Yeah, uh, so we watched uh, Grizzly, which I had written about on the blog for You're the Knockoff. And uh, that was fun. Uh, and then I threw marshmallows at people uh, to see if they'd catch them and make their, their best uh, bear, bear growling faces. Was Kevin the only one? He was the only one who caught it because I'm terrible at throwing marshmallows, evidently. I don't I, think it was. It's, it's a marshmallow. It's a marshmallow. It's not like, you know. Like, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be like um, like the Drew Brees of marshmallow throwing where it's like, you know, he's going to the Hall of Fame one day. You're never going to be on the new version of Double Dare. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Steve. I don't know if you, Drew Brees is quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. I don't know if you're aware or not. Uh, no, oh, I have no idea. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. It's like I'm training for double dare. Yeah, like I'm going to have you sit here with like a bowl <laughs> on your head. I'm just going to chuck marshmallows at it, and then you're going to run over and get covered in chocolate syrup for no reason. I uh, do that most of the time anyway. <laughs> so, and then after that, we watched uh, Roar, which I, I've talked about on the show a handful of times. It is. You know, Steve, describe Roar to people if they don't know what we're talking about. Roar is a film that is supposed to be a family film that is one of the scariest, most horrifying <laughs> movies I've ever seen. 
Um, it, it's scary in the real world. This person's going to die. Yeah, scary. not like oh, they're putting a show on for you. No, no. Um, <laughs> and I don't even know where to begin. I mean, it, it's Tippy Hedren, and I, I am forgetting the gentleman's name who was her, the, her husband. Yeah, was that her real life husband in yeah. the movie as well? Yeah, they're the. Oh, big, I didn't know that. They're the big nature. Uh, I just thought they were like partners. Who? No, they're husband and wife. Oh, okay. Well, it was her and her husband. Mr. Tippy Hedman. Yeah. Um, basically decided to put a film together that, what was it, 11 years or something like that? It took, like, oh, yeah, because they ran out of money and then there were some issues with filming, but it took like 11 years to complete this thing. And the whole thing was about living with uh, wild, not even, well, yeah, I guess wild animals because mm-hmm. there are elephants oh. in the film and there's, but most of it is lions and, uh, like, tigers, tigers. and cheetahs and. Panthers, pumas, and panther. Pan- Maybe not a puma, but yeah, there's a couple panthers in there. Yeah, it's it's the it's just like this. Uh, it looks like this, like I don't know. It, it's this like multi-story house in the middle of nowhere on this like I don't. They didn't even say what country. I don't think they said what country they were in Africa. But he has this preserve that's full of big cats, and his family's coming to to live with him. I think, and I don't think they know what they're getting themselves into supposedly. Right, and he's away on some stupid business when they show up, so they don't know this house is literally full of large, you know, predators. And not like oh, like oh, there's two lions in there. No, there's like twelve at and least. That's yeah. just in the living room. I mean, there are. A ridiculous amount of animals in this movie, and the fact that like <laughs> the film begins with like, well, the story was also written by the animals because none of these animals are trained, mm-hmm. um, and they decided to write their own story. Like, there's a lot of people getting hurt in this movie, and the trailer for it, and I, I'm assuming it's the one that Alamo put together, yes, actually tells you like, what you know, what to happened to yeah. like, uh, um. Melanie Griffith, it's one of her first films, and uh, she had to get facial reconstructive surgery yeah. <laughs> from doing this film. And then we found out just uh, from watching it, Al Gore brought up the trivia that um, Jan DeMont, who was the cinematographer for this film, uh, director of Speed and Twister, by the way, uh, Jan DeMont, not not El Goro. He may have been. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he got, uh, what was it, what, what, 200 stitches on his scalp? Yeah, because he was essentially scalped at one yeah. point by one of the cats. So this movie's a lot of fun. Uh, and it because you don't see, I mean, you do see people getting hurt on screen, but it's not like... You, you could tell a lot of the, the actual violence unless it's amongst the animals because you see you see animals like just going at it all the time in terms yeah. of like, like taking swipes and being territorial. Um, you just cringe because like there's bits where people riding on motorcycles and these cats are just chasing them because they're just being cats. Like yeah. they're just and so it's it's a hoot to watch with people that don't know what they're about to watch. So I finally got Steve. We were able to find some time for him to sit down and watch this film because describing it doesn't do it no, justice. No, it doesn't do it justice yeah. at all. And there's there's a moment towards the beginning of the film where like the 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 dad slash husband is supposed to be delivering a line of dialogue and he gets knocked over by about four <laughs> lions all at once. Yeah, and I was I thought for sure I was like that guy's gonna die. He's gonna get trampled. Yeah. Uh, and like he's he's bleeding at different points in the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's fake. No, I, I don't think, I think so it's either. real blood. So when we talked about Invasion USA last week with that poor guy that was behind the desk that got blown up, yeah, I think he was in a safer condition than the whole cast was <laughs> right. in, in Roar. And that guy wasn't the same after that stunt in that movie. And then with Roar, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's it's a it's a fun it's a fun party movie. Yeah. 
uh, just because it's yeah, it is. I think I saw it in the theater when the Alamo Drafthouse did their release of it, and just hearing people in the theater all of us freak out at the same time because we're like watching what we thought was murder, like uh, by well, sorry, just savage animal killings of people, yeah. <laughs> and it's supposed to be this like Disney family type of film. Yeah, it's a trip. And what I think is interesting too is that just saying that you have to see it to believe it isn't really enough. Like, because you say that about a lot of things. Like, oh, you got to see it to believe it. Like, this truly is a movie that cannot be, you you cannot have any comprehension of it until you sit down and watch it. Yeah. Because yeah. there's no stunts. There's no, like, you know, oh, they're faking that. No, it's it's all real because. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a pissed off elephant in the middle. There's a. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a lot of things. There's no there's no large grizzly bears wanting marshmallows like there was. No, a grizzly. no. Um, so I'm glad Steve got to watch it. And if you guys get the chance, you should check out Roar. And I'm sure Steve will probably eventually find a copy. And I hope he springs the unsuspecting people. <laughs> Spread it across the nation. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. So that was my high point of the weekend was watching animals attack people. Yeah. And after that, it was just a bunch of work. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a similar weekend um, working on something for the art show for Free Comic Book Day for Carolyn John's uh, comic shop for Free Comic Book Day, and uh, uh, we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. But uh, I did want to mention that uh, during a little what little downtime I did have during that weekend, um, caught up on two shows that I love that I feel like don't get enough love get that I love that I don't think enough people know about or at least aren't talking about. Um, one is uh, the second season of Happy is going on right now which with Christopher Maloney. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't watched Happy, I strongly suggest watching it. Um, it is... It, it's a glorious comic book of a TV show about a drunk and an imaginary character. Um, like... I. I... Christopher Maloney, I'm in. I just have not watched any of it, so yeah, I'm one of these people I, that's going to probably be sad if if I inadvertently lead to it. It not gets being bizarre, like it gets real bizarre. Believe me, um, I'm fine with that. And it's going, it's and going. Pat Oswalt's the voice of the animated thing, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, another reason for I should I should have been watching it by now. Yeah, I'm I'm not seeing anybody really talking about it on social media, and that that show is just it's it's so out there and so well done and. So not what I would expect from, and I don't mean this as like a slam against sci-fi, but like sci-fi, they have a certain brand, I think, when mm. it comes to their series, and like this is completely outside of that box. Well, for a while there, and that's a whole other conversation, like after Battlestar Galactica was so, like sci-fi was suddenly like on the map, right? So they were like, we need a couple more high-minded sci-fi shows, and then they had Caprica, which wasn't that great, and then they had Stargate Universe. That also was okay, but not great. And then they're like, no, 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 we need to, ah, just, we're fine. And they went right back to making, uh, people liked, uh, what was it, Z Nation? Mm-hmm. Like people liked that. And then there was uh, another one called Killjoys. But there, there, a lot of stuff they put out was kind of like lower tier, kind of like per- on purpose. Yeah. I mean, I do know that a lot of people have spoken highly of um, Channel, is it Channel Z? That got canceled. Or, yeah. They're talking about, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I have not checked that out, but I I really strongly suggest you have access. I believe the first season of Happy is on Netflix now. Check it out. Amazing show. Uh, second season so far has been really strong as well. Good. Uh, the other show is uh, a Netflix show, and I know that uh, you had discussed before my time the first season of this show. Um, but uh, Oh, no. What are you going to say? 
not the OA. Oh, thank Christ. <laughs> <Whew>. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just bumped the mic. No, uh, I, I, you, you almost killed me, so please. Yeah. Santa Clarita Diet. Oh, yeah, I still I had not watched the second season. So the, the, third, the first yeah. season was good. I liked it, but it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Second season hits its stride, okay. and like there are moments in that show. Like I'm not somebody who normally has dug past performances of Timothy Olyphant. He is genius in the show. Um, actually, the whole cast is really good. Uh, it's hilarious. It's scary in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, it's a zombie show, so like, I think we're all kind of in, you know... There's a lot of you know uh, zombie content out there that we're probably all just kind of I'm trying to think of the word um, benign to it uh, numb to yeah numb to um, so like it's not going to be like ooh I'm terrified but uh, it 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 it's an interesting more like take too scary on it. more am yeah. I right yeah uh, it's an interesting take on it and the third season uh, which just uh, well, it, they release all of it at once, but uh, I was going to say the third season that just ended, meaning I finished it, uh, <laughs> was just as strong as the second season. I'd, li- I'd like that you just watched all of them about the last episode. You're like, man, when are they going to get to this? <laughs> I'm just on the edge of my seat. I hope. Come on. But- and I, I've seen the same like uh, story being reported by three different people on my Facebook about the show being canceled by Netflix. And it's from some like weird... like. There, cancel I've not seen renew like, blah 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 and yeah. I'm like that's not an actual thing and Netflix hasn't said anything about renewing or canceling the show I like, feel like something like that being niche the Onion AV Club would report it if it was accurate yeah. because they're usually about this kind of genre like they'd release and state it you know so and I've not seen anything on there not that that's like like my trusted site for like you know pop culture news but it's pretty good yeah I mean it, just to give you like an idea of how bizarre the second season goes at some points is that Timothy Oliphant's character is convinced that he needs to like find a hobby and like he wants to build some shelves. And at one point they decide that for Drew Barrymore's character, who is a zombie, to continue living as a zombie, that they need to pick people for her to eat, but they only pick bad people. Mm-hmm. And they find out that there's a group of Nazis in town. Yeah. So like they're they're just working their way through them. But at one point they go to the guy's house to look at his his collection or whatever. And like you don't quite see what Timothy Olyphant's looking at, and he's just marveling over how beautiful it is and how wonderful it is. And it's a set of shelves that he loves, but on it is a bunch of Nazi like paraphernalia. So he's, not, he's not looking at that, but yeah. it looks like he's looking at the... That's... <laughs> right? He's like, look at these shelves. Oh my God, these are gorgeous. <laughs> um, it, it's just small moments like that that are really funny. And I would just strongly suggest, if you haven't watched it, give it a shot. I think that we're all at a point now where there's it's content overload. But I... I I'm using this my you know my pulpit to spread the gospel of both happy and. I mean, listen Santa to this Clarion. first, and, yes. th- and then then give Netflix your time. What? No, <laughs> um, no, no. I'm I, just I, saying I, that, no, like, it, you know, there's so many good shows. There's out so there. many good shows. Yeah. I just wanted to throw the word out there that hey, if you get a chance, to check these two out. Perfect. All right, all right. So let's just uh, well, we talked about some TV shows and some things. I don't know. This is what this show's about. So now let's get into some news about TV shows and some things. everyone it's not the biggest story but i think it's great that there's actually a keanu reeves uh con which is it's a film festival that's happening soon it's keanu con and it's happening in uh scotland so i'm not going to be able to attend unfortunately but but it's showing a bunch of different keanu reeves films it isn't just like it isn't going for 
like his more over the top stuff. It's actually showing like hit like my what was it my own private Idaho mm-hmm. and um, some other stuff. So it actually has like like serious like Keanu Reeves films and so but it's a celebration of him and I, I just got to say that's great and I hope it continues on. Um, my question to you, Steve, is if there could be a con slash film festival of one person that you could attend, what would it be? Like, what would be one like actor? Yeah, like like if you had a Keanu Reeves con, like. So I mean, the closest I've come to doing something like that is is back in two thousand two, I believe. Uh, I went to Vulgarthon, which was put oh, out yeah. by Kevin Smith. You talked about that, yeah. Um, and that was mostly his films and friends of his films. And uh, I would say if I had to pick an actor, like I, I think I would probably lean more towards a director than an actor. But okay. um, I mean, Edgar Wright Film Fest would be amazing. Um, or even if it was just movies that like he liked that he curated and picked. Um, That'd be cool. I'm trying to think who else. Um like a specific actor um i could do like a like a kurt russell tussle like i could do something that would just be kurt russell films i would be really happy yeah because you've got like 40 years worth of movies to pick from too you could really like vary it up and it doesn't all have to be one specific genre 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 yes uh, genre um i think that'd be i think that'd be cool uh i don't know i, uh, yeah, I don't know yeah, who else. i mean I don't know. Like my my most basic instincts go to like oh a Harrison Ford film festival where you know it's Star Wars and Indiana Jones and then the Fugitive and then like you know uh, what if there was like an actively aggressive Steven Seagal film festival where people go and just just berate the Steven Seagal films <laughs> that would be that would be wonderful. <laughs> it'd be very therapeutic. It'd be, it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I can't think of an actor. I, I think I I would think more in terms of either a writer or a director but you know i guess i'm just you're you're a little bit more high-minded you're, you're no more i'm small-minded because you're like pick an actor you know i mean no, you're like I'm no, sure no, if no. It was kevin, i prefer i prefer auteurs and you're just like well no i'm sure if kevin would immediately come at you with like oh um scott adkins or something and you're like who the the, the guy behind the adkins diet or you know um, I, i've i've made that joke oh, have you? to him before yeah but no he would, sorry, that would be, no it's not no you should apologize it's not a good joke to begin with I, when i said it the first time uh no something like that but i like the idea you're like you know i just prefer vision i could just do i could just do a wes anderson film fest like just just all quirky con <laughs> quirky con i mean i do like wes anderson but you know i do as well a, but he has a lane that he stays in to be fair it. though like after i watch one movie i'm not instantly in the mood to watch another <laughs> of his so like you yeah. know uh but I, I like that there's keanu con and i guess uh alamo draft house which we Ooh, just mentioned i got um, it yeah uh sam jackson that'd be cool yeah that'd be really cool um he'd start off with uh was it um Oh, Deep Blue Sea. Let's start off with that. <laughs> That's where you go, not even Jurassic yeah. Park. No, no, you start with Deep Blue Sea. Um, I'm going to go with you, Loaded And then weapon. you stop it right after, you know, his part is done. Um, oh, I, I like that there's this counter comment. I know, I, I think I read somewhere, or I'm making up, Alma Draft House actually did like a, a Nicolas Cage film festival type of thing. Oh, that would be wonderfully weird, too. I think that'd be a lot of fun, because you could just pick whatever. Like, it would be great. Um, but yeah, Keanu, he's in this like, well, it's, he's been having this renaissance kind of thing for the past few years. And we talked about the Bill and Ted three thing happening. John Wick three is coming out soon. Like I, it, in, in, the more people learn about him, the more people just love him. Like, did yeah. you hear the story about the, there was a, um, an issue with like a flight 
somewhere out in like the, the the Midwest, like well, sorry, more like the desert area where he was at, and people couldn't get on the flight. So he's like, "We're just going to get a chartered bus and we're going to go." And he gave like local facts about the town, and this was basically playing tour guide <laughs> while everybody was on this bus, and he was just like, "Oh, Keanu Reeves chartered a bus for us and gave us interesting knowledge about the local surroundings." Like, who does that? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say that uh, if you're going to get stuck on a bus with somebody, uh, well, although well, actually, to be fair. <laughs> And uh, thinking of speed, I don't know that you want to get stuck in a bus like, with like, Keanu Reeves. like, hey, Keanu, do you have any interesting bus facts? He'd be like, no. I'm like, all right, then. All right, we're just going to move on. It is interesting to me, though, that, like, and this is not a slam against Keanu Reeves at all, but, like, he's made some not great movies, but, like, at one point he was like, I'm not doing Speed 2. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. that he, he didn't do the second Speed movie, but, you know, he did go on to do, uh, you know... Um, well, he's made some bad movies. Numerous, but, like, but there's a lot of times where you could tell that he's trying to. It, it, it's like the Tom Cruise thing where uh, he's seeing something that's an interesting project, and maybe the the final product isn't great, but he's drawn to it for a reason. Yeah. Like before the Matrix stuff. I mean, Giant Mnemonic is n- probably not a great movie. I remember watching it when I was younger, and it was. I saw like, it in the theater. I haven't seen it since. Yeah. But it's still like a cool idea. And there's in, even some of the stuff I still remember is cool from it. Maybe not the best product, you know, yeah. but he still, and even was the Manatai Chi, which is the one he directed a couple years ago, martial arts film that he, you know, so he, it's, I'm sure there are some paycheck stuff in there, mm-hmm. but more often than not, I think he's a position now to pick the projects he wants to, to work on for good or for bad, but at least he's happy doing what he does. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think he's an interesting actor and from all accounts, he sounds like an even more interesting human being, so... So, yeah, Keanu Khan. We can't go. We wish we could. All right. Yep. So, next. Um, so, I'm not going to read this story in full because I almost spoiled goddamn Avengers Endgame for myself. So, the, the headline is, when to take a bathroom pee uh, break during Avengers Endgame. And I was like, okay, let me scroll through. I thought I was just going to give, like, times. No, they're, like, specific scenes. I'm like, nope. Roll, I scroll right back up. Because <laughs> um, last year when we were getting ready to talk about uh, – Infinity War, I was doing like because we were going to do like a little like we talked about Infinity Gauntlet, but, mm-hmm. and I was like I'll I'll read about the like you know a little bit about the movie, getting some like notes or I was reading about the Infinity Stones and like it wasn't even a page about the film, but there was a Wikipedia page about the stones, and it gave away a huge spoiler. Yeah, like before I saw the movie, before it was even out. So now, nope, we're not doing uh, an Infinity. We're not we're not doing an in game pre-show because i don't want this movie ruined for me and i almost ruined it by reading a story about when to take a pee yeah uh i i do have one spoiler that i'm going to share real quick about avengers do you know why they are called spoilers uh avengers is going to make all the money (laughs) is it going to be like a monopoly where you land on like the the double hotel that shouldn't be allowed on uh boardwalk and you're like all right well you own the bank now yes basically yeah and it's like game's over like, I do. I do think there's an interesting um, discussion to be had about uh, the Marvel properties at this point as a franchise, in the sense that uh, being both a Star Wars fan and obviously a Marvel fan, um, there seems to be. A, I wouldn't say a disconnect with fan base, but like a lot of people are still like Star Wars is the biggest franchise there is. I don't know that you can make that argument anymore. Like I, I think maybe you could have, you know, certainly, obviously, forty years ago or, mm-hmm. or uh, twenty years ago. I think in the last ten years, I mean, there's no stopping Avengers at this point. And like, as well, much half as I, of them. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> 
as much as I love Star Wars, and I realize I've gone off on a tangent here, but like you know, if if they start to falter even a little bit, you know, um, they've already pulled back. You know, Disney saying like, "Well, we're going to take a break now, and you know, try and figure out how we want to do this from this point on." And I, I just think that like an argument can be made that like it's no longer like I think Marvel, at least the Marvel Universe films, have probably supplanted it as the end all be all of franchises. I, I would agree with that. I think that's that's correct. Uh, but I think it's you're right. That would be an interesting conversation because I feel like though there was expectation for the Marvel stuff because of all the years of comics uh, until until that Iron Man came out, no one knew if, if anything that like Marvel was planning would be any good. And right. so each time they kind of keep raising the bar for themselves. Why I feel like Star Wars, like since it's been around for such a long time, it already had all this this baggage with it, and that you weren't going to make. I think for the most part, unless you're an absolutely, you know, the person that just hates comic book films, I think generally most people love all the Marvel films. They didn't have expectation. Now they do because there's 20 of them. Yeah. But I think, you know, to start off with, they're just like, this is fun. I love it. And then with Star Wars, though, it's like, it better be exactly what I've had in my head for, you know, the past 30 years. And when it's not that, that's when I think people are getting frustrated. And I don't know why that is. That's my, my opinion. Kind of feels that way, though. Sure. So... That, that might be the case. I don't know why this is... We were talking a story about taking a pee. I was just going to say, I'd this. like to applaud my ability to change the subject into something about Star Wars. You don't want to talk about bodily fluids? Well, that's... You know, we could do that. <laughs> no, I, I just want... So, the reason I bring up that story, aside from the fact that, you know, it's about pee, uh, is... I understand that there's actually well, there's a website out there called like uh, Run P or something where you can look up different movies and see like specifically when you can run to the bathroom, uh-huh. like down points in the films. Um, and I understand there's people that have medical conditions, all this stuff that they go to attend a film, like they need, you know, they need access to the bathroom. And I get that. I'm not saying, you know, you're here, you got to deal with it. Don't you plan ahead? Like if you're like, this is going to be a long movie. I, I know I'm in it for the long haul. Um, unless I'm like actively bleeding out, I'm probably going to stay here and watch the movie. So I will, I will sit there. Yes. I mean, I will try and go in like right before the movie just to clear out any <laughs> anything that might be yeah you don't you don't want no gas like, in the tank you just want to go yeah. in empty yeah but at the same time i i have to admit like i am very much the person who like when they go to the movies i want the popcorn i want a gigantic pop as big as my head like i i want uh candy i want like i i like i'm gluttonous is basically what i'm saying here <laughs> but <laughs> you know i i will fight myself to to stay in in as long as i can I, i'm trying to think of the last movie that i actually was like i have to go and getting up and I, I don't remember what it is but like i've certainly had close calls from like oh my god if i don't get out of here soon yeah i'm gonna wet myself the the, um, the worst one for me was the wolf of wall street like we're because that movie's like a three hour movie. I still haven't seen it. It's well, it's a three hour movie. Okay. Um, but at the end of the at the end of the movie, I'm just like, dear lord, because they kept going on with like this denouement at the end. I'm like, I don't care about Jordan Belfort or whatever his name is. I don't. He got away with it. Fine. Where's the bathroom? Like, just it was. Yeah, of, yeah. I will say though that that's a movie, and I guess that's also something that comes into play when it, you think about what type of movie you're watching, like. I don't know. The climax of, of Wolf of Wall, Star- Wall Street may be absolutely fascinating and visually entertaining, but I, I feel like if it's between that and Endgame, I'm probably going to fight harder to sit through Endgame. Well, than me I am too, Wolf but I'm just saying the last time because I think I, I um, even though I knew the runtime of the film, I I did like you know the, like we're like I had the drink before yeah. and like all this stuff and uh, yeah, so that's happened. Um, but I'm just saying that in general, though, if 
I mean, I don't know. Like if you, you, you already know that you're going to be there for, you know, X number of minutes. Right. Uh, don't you spend probably that like three hours, right? Uh, you probably during your work day probably don't have to run off to the bathroom like, you know, six times or however many times during a three hour stretch. Yeah. I mean, unless you, unless you're like, you know what? I'm kind of bored. I'm just going to go to the bathroom. You know, I, I think that people could, people, most people are physically able to be like, I could probably not uh, let urine out of my body for a few hours. Yeah. You know? So I, I guess this is helpful, but know what you're getting into that's all sure. because then there's also the chance that you're going to inconvenience the people around you by getting up all the time or i guess the one time but still yeah i mean look i mean everybody pees so like you know i i'm sure you know i mean i'm doing a little bit right now but you can't. <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm sure people try to prepare themselves and you know um, maybe some are just unsuccessful i don't know why you would go into you know, end game without being like, oh, I'm going to skip the bathroom before going in. You know, I mean, if it's like a 90 minute film, you could probably, you know, well, here, uh, here's the other thing too, is, is you got to take into account, like you don't get like a couple of trailers before movies anymore. It's literally like eight trailers, mm -hmm. you know, and let's say they're all two minutes a piece. That's an extra 16 minutes that you're adding, adding on to yeah, that runtime. That doesn't count all the Coke ads that are fake. Like this is a student film brought to you by whatever. <laughs> yeah. Great. And also everybody be quiet. You don't listen to this part of the trailers at all, but everybody be quiet. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, I would just say prepare, but like, you know, uh, there's well, like there was that we talked about the MCU marathon that's going to go on for like what fifty nine hours, and you might may or may not. It's got to be going on now. At yeah, this point. that's that's true. There's people probably eating their feet as we're as yeah. we're talking, but I could see then because it's like these are probably films that you've already seen before. Could you imagine being somebody that paid money and be like, I've never seen a Marvel film. I guess I'll just go watch all of them right now. Like that would be funny. Um, but I could see, like I would have no problem people getting up during because it's like well, that's sure. like you, you're just living your life. You have to go take care of things because otherwise that place is it's already going to smell bad after two days worth of people sitting in the theater. It's going to smell worse if you don't take care of things. I understand that, uh, but for a one three hour stretch, you know, just put a clothespin on it. It's fine. Yeah. That's not really a good good advice. I mean, you know, we'll find out. Like, we'll see if I can make it through tomorrow because I know that I'm going to – I know that I'm going to get there. They'll probably have some sort of commemorative bucket too where it's like, oh, get this eight-gallon tub of, of popcorn and, you know. Yeah, you're going uh, to text me and be like, amazing, pissed myself. That's what you're going to write. Like, <laughs> I got to gather before the movie. <laughs> it hurt, but it was totally worth it. I, I brought the extra absorbent jacket. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess I'm being kind of a curmudgeon about this, but it's just, this generally feels like one of those things where you're actively telling somebody when you don't have to pay attention to a film, sure. which I get the convenience of it, but the movie exists for a reason and that the cuts are made for what they're, they are. There's never this bit in the film where someone's like, you know what I feel like doing right now? Reading this magazine. And then they just turn and look at the camera uh, and then like wink, like, you know, be like, I'll be, I'll read this magazine for approximately five minutes, you know, enjoy the show. And people get up and go like, there's no, <laughs> like, do I feel like in game should probably have intermission? That, that might be, yeah, that yeah. might be fair. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, is, is that guy peeing over there? No, I'm just saying, shh, <laughs> 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 trying to get people to quiet down. Yeah. Shh. 
<laughs> yeah. All right. Um, last story real quick. Um, and this will pivot into what we're going to talk about tonight because it's pretty cool. So with Alien Day uh, coming up, which we talked about, which would be Friday, there's always like this feels like something that's beginning bigger and bigger. And I'm happy about this. I know there's mm-hmm. May, May 4th um, and we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Um, so there's May the 4th and then um, Revenge of the 5th. Yes. You know, uh, and then or you Cinco know. de Mayo is most of the world. Calls yeah, it. that's. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like if Disney's like, no, 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 you can't have that anymore. We now, you know. Um, so, th- th- so there's a lot of these fun days, and I feel like uh, four four twenty six has been kind of getting a little bit like a little bit more love each year, and it's been uh, Alien Day, and it's like like so every past couple years they've always announced something new, and yeah. so uh, I got a I got a mini replica alien mask from Fright Rags last year for four twenty six. See, that's cool. Yeah. I think that's a fun thing to you know just. Yeah, it's a nice little tie-in, and it gets you excited for the franchise or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, this year, there's going to be other things I'm sure announced. But um, what was it? Uh, I don't know who's putting this out. Um, Audible, actually, it's going to be uh, brought to you. It's going to at least be available on audio. I don't know who. Sorry, Audible. So the William Gibson unproduced Alien Three script that we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, is actually being produced as an audio drama with Michael Bean uh, as Hicks, and I think they're going to get. Um, uh, you know, Bishop, uh, Lance Hendrickson. Lance Hendrickson. Why did I blank on that one? Uh, I think they're going to bring him back in too, and they're going to do the whole thing. And it's like, uh, that's kind of awesome. I think that's great. They're going to do the audio production and sounds and all that stuff. Uh, I think this is a good way. Uh, there's been other, there's other franchises that have done this where there may have been stories out there that were never completed or whatever. Like I know Dr. Who they've done a lot of, um, there was one recently where they put out where the episodes weren't actually completed. So they did some storyboards because there was actually like a production strike at that time in the seventies and they didn't get to finish filming some Tom Baker stuff. So they actually went through and animated it and put it out for people to see. And then there's actually a couple where, uh, early, early on, like the second doctor, they just lost the, um, film, but they have the audio. Mm. So they went back and reanimated portions of that episode and have released it. So I think this is kind of cool that, that that people are excited for either things that have been lost or uh, these what if projects of saying here's this is what this could have been enjoy I want more of this I think that's great yeah there's actually a, a new podcast uh, it's been around for two or three months now called uh, Best Movie Never Made um, and what it does is it looks at a lot of movies that either were going to be either sequels or things that came out of movies like for instance there's an episode on et2 but it also explores a script that i believe is called night skies that that was the original one yeah we talked about that um they uh just recently on their most recent episode they talked about um the uh freddy versus jason versus ash which was supposed to follow up freddy versus jason and half of the discussion is just about all the different treatments that were written for freddy versus jason Hmm. like almost 10 years worth and there's actually a great book called slash the titans that i have Hmm. uh, that i have that i own but you can also purchase in other places um that goes through what each of those drafts were um of that film and gives you tidbits from the people behind it and the writers and people who were brought on to the project and 
Um, it's really an interesting look at how some things can get stuck in development hell. Um, but Freddy versus uh, Jason versus Ash was actually released as a comic because they're like, well, this movie's not going to get made, mm-hmm. so let's put it out as a comic. And they just took the screenplay, same idea as this. Yeah, I think Gibson that's cool. Thing. I just now it makes me want to uh, hope for like an audio drama version of the canon uh, version of Spider Man that never got made, where you just hear them dropping just like boxes of spare parts in the background, just absolute junk as they're talking about their Spider Man script that they were going to make <laughs> in the eighties. You just hear. You know, I do think that those are fascinating. And I actually like if if I had like enough time, excuse me, and uh, you know the ability to do it. Like I would love to do just like take one of those drafts at least and just do like eight pages of what one of those weird Freddy versus Jason was as a comic and just I, like yeah, I, I had an idea out there a while ago and I realized that I wouldn't do it justice. And I've already you know doing this show with you and then doing the other one with Kevin. I would love to have an idea. I had an idea for a show of taking like an unproduced script of what could have been and putting it against the movie that came out mm-hmm. and having that discussion, which sounds like what that podcast is doing, but much better. Cause there's like, uh, the, the Darabont version of kingdom of crystal skull. Um, it's not too far away from what was in the movie, but there was a lot more detail that actually made it tolerable and interesting that I think is worthy talking about. Um, not that we're going to do on this show, but I read the script. I'm like, this is actually not bad. I'm like, it's kind of the same thing, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, even if it's like a complete disaster, it's almost as fascinating to look at it to be like, Oh, I, I love what know, might have been. Yeah. Um, Cause I believe uh, El Goro, uh, cause I've not read the Cameron Spider-Man script, mm-hmm. But he, I feel like it was El Gore who was telling me that it's just a train wreck of a script. That's I'd say it'd be fun to do an audio drama. Yeah, just like you just hear just shit going wrong in the background, like, <laughs> like sparking wires and people running in terror. Nothing to do with the movie, just you know, in general. You know, like, so it's someone it, acting out as Menachem Golan in the background. You know, like that would be that'd be great. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see like what what those projects could have been mm-hmm. and you know what we ultimately got so yeah getting this audio drama of alien 3 of the william gibson uh, thing that we're about to talk about that's cool and i might have to check this out because i i wonder as we as we talk about the story of that comic of the screenplay of the movie that that's a weird transition um i will wonder how how they do some of that uh, in terms of what we were what we see in that book and the story and how they're going to tell as a drama like audio like audibly I guess. So yeah, cool. And I'm sure that there'll be more cool stuff announced for alien day. And again, um, even like not to drag Steve back into the star Wars talk, but there was a lot of the, the radio produced, um, versions of the original trilogy that added things. Right. I I actually have not listened to those and I, I I would like to sit down at some point and listen to them, but for whatever reason, I've just never gotten around to it. Oh, but I I do know that like, there's, I believe they include all the like Tatooine scenes with Luke at the beginning of the film that Mm -hmm. weren't that were cut and all that stuff. So I, I'd be curious to listen to those. I just haven't gotten around to it. All right. So, all right. So enough about alien three. So I figure we should just move on to some more discussion about alien three. And now for our feature presentation. So I, with the alien day thing, you know, we just talked about it. Uh, if you guys aren't, if you're tuning in now, which would be weird. You're like, I just skip ahead 45 minutes and we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, we've talked about previously on the show and I forgot about it. This tells you how, like I was watching. So this weekend to get ready for this, to watch alien three, I was like, you know, I actually have some time. I'm going to sit down and watch alien and aliens. 
And because I hadn't watched Alien in a while. And then I'm, as I'm watching Aliens, I'm like, I feel like I just watched this. And I realized, I'm like, oh, shit, shocking dark. Like, I realized that we just did this last year for the year of the knockoff. So I'd watched Aliens. We also saw it in the theater. Yeah. So it's like, I'm like, wow, I've seen this a lot recently. It's still, <laughs> it's still my favorite of the three films. But mm-hmm. I, I say three films. Like, there's not other ones that exist. But <laughs> I believe the box that is called the quadrilogy. quadrilogy. Yeah, well, there's, there's a weird fourth disc in there. But uh, I, I think that's just special features. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, just, it's this weird offshoot. I don't know. Brad Dourif said it. That's cool. Uh and Ron Perlman, so that's cool too. And uh, Top Dollar from The Crow. Uh, we're not talking about uh, um, the fourth one, but we're so with the William Gibson screenplay being turned into a comic book. I had mentioned to Steve previously, like it'd be cool to read that comic and then also revisit Alien Three. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that the the fifth issue of the comic, which is the final one, just came out like two weeks ago, which is almost in line perfectly with Alien Day. And I figured this would be the time then to talk about it. Um, when I mentioned this to you, you were down for it, but you seemed hesitant to revisit Alien 3, the film. Well, to be fair, it was, let's read this comic and talk about it, not let's watch Alien 3 oh, and, sorry. And, the, and talk about the comic. No, no, and I, I'm not saying that to be shitty. I'm just saying that like, when you were like, I think this would be an interesting idea to talk about this. I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And then you were like, oh, well, I think we should watch the movie. And I was like, okay, I haven't watched it since I... I and I, I came to this realization last night re-watching... Well, technically not re-watching it because I watched the assembly cut. Uh, which we'll talk about more in a minute, but um, I have not seen Alien Three since seeing it in the theater in '92. Um, and and Larry's, I think, I guess I just assumed that we'd talk about the film because it'd be we, weird. We, yeah, we it would, do research and talk, and it would just be weird to talk about. Like, well, the comic's cool, and it's like, and then there's no, I'd be like, that's it. All yeah. right, guys, we're out. Like, no, but uh, so yeah, I didn't see it in the theater. Um, I did see it later on video. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you did not have the best feeling about this film the first time you'd saw it. So before I watched it last night, I, I posted something on Facebook, and I still kind of stand by this. Um, I just I said Alien Three. It's the movie that kills two characters you love to so see. You can spend two hours with people you don't like, and I I kind of feel like that's still the way it is after the movie after watching the assembly cut. But really, I think you know. The, the core of my issue isn't that Hicks and Newt, and spoilers for Alien 3, um, <laughs> and technically, I guess, Bishop, don't really make it through the travel um, at the end of Aliens into Alien 3. Um, while I do think that that was not a good choice, um, my problem with it is mainly that, with the exception of you know Charles Dutton, uh, and let me actually go back here. The acting in the film is fantastic. Like there's not a bad performance in the movie. Everybody's good. Mm-hmm. You got Charles Dance. You've got uh, Charles S. Dutton. Um, obviously Sigourney Weaver. Uh, Pete uh, Pothswaite. Yeah, pronounce his last name. Yeah, he's in it for a second, but he's he's always great to see him. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's really good performances in the movie. Um, and yes, Lance Henderson does you know come back for. Probably like a day and a half's worth of work. Um, <laughs> oh, and I have to mention Paul McGann, who was, uh, uh, was, no, was it Paul McGann? Yeah, uh, no. Um, shoot, 85. Who was he? Um, anyway, Paul McGann. Actually, no, he's Golic. He's the crazy one. He was a doctor 
uh, in a, a Doctor Who produced movie for Fox TV after oh. it ended on the BBC. I don't mean to, to thread jack this completely. I'm sorry. I just want to mention it was a made for TV movie on Fox trying to like relaunch Doctor Who as like this exciting kind of action adventure thing. No one watched it and it never went any further than that. So he has like the distinction of being like, like a doctor that is recognized amongst all of them, but only showing up once. Really? Yeah. And it's kind of, I would assume that, that British fans would be like, you know, people are kind of 50, 50 on him, yeah, but, cause, uh, but he's canon. He's actually considered one of the, the doctors. So, uh, I think it's funny that he was in the one movie and then they brought him back, I think for some audio dramas and stuff, but that's the only time. Oh, yeah. Wow. So <laughs> sorry. I, I just wanted to bring up, cause we just talked I brought up doctor who I want to bring up more doctor who. So, you're talking about the performances and everything in the film. Yeah, I mean, structurally, the film is built at least around the characters in, in a similar vein as the original Alien, in the sense that like you're sort of stuck with these eight people or how many uh, in this confined space, although admittedly, you're not on a spaceship, you're in a uh, prison, basically, yeah, like it, a... a, a, a uh, but it's also supposed to be like, oh, it's the worst of the worst, it's rapists and thieves and Although I think putting rapists and thieves together isn't that's apples What'd and you oranges, do? but like <laughs> physical stuff. What'd you do? Stole stuff. <laughs> High five. Yeah, like, um, but like it's supposed to be like murderers and rapists and whatnot. Um, and there is an interesting thread going out throughout the film of of there being a theological point to at least the brotherhood of these mm-hmm. these prisoners. But I'm never really behind any of them. Like okay. the closest I come is probably. Uh, and I'm sorry for not knowing the character names, but Charles Dance's character, who's the the facilities physician, um, Clemens. I'm Clemens. looking at IMDb like I know these, but but Charles Dutton is Dylan. Dylan, yeah, yeah. But even then, I feel like he's I can't figure out what the hell he's doing in half the time of the movie. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like he's got a weird moral compass. Uh, a well, lot of the he time. does. So okay, let's let's we'll back this up a little bit here. So. Uh, to put a pin in the, the actual how you feel about the movie well we talk about like you know the cast and things so when you came out of the theater uh you were not you were kind of like disappointed and underwhelmed yeah i mean it, it wasn't even so much that ripley you know dies quote unquote at the end of the movie um it was just that it, say what you will about the first two movies but they're both an experience mm-hmm. and this felt like just I don't know. Like, I don't want to use this this expression negatively, but like, it felt like um, when I was younger and having to go to like catechism class on a Wednesday <laughs> night. Like, yeah, I was there. I don't know if I enjoyed being there. Like, that's the best way that I can put it. Like, I didn't get any joy out of the movie, um, and there was never any terror. Like, I can still watch the original era. I can still watch the original Alien. And still feel terror. I can still watch the original Aliens and feel the wonder that I had for that movie. I watch Alien 3 and I don't get any of that. Um, and like, I feel like it's caught between trying to be a philosophical, theological uh, film examining life and our relationships as, you know, uh, people. Um, I, that's that's not the best way of putting it. But I feel like it's, it's, it's trying to be uh, philosophical or... Oh, I theological. Can't. Theological, yeah. yeah. Um, at the same time of trying to be in an alien movie, and I don't think it pulls either of those off well. Okay, so 
that that's that's a good way to go into this. So a little bit, and I think this. I was thinking of this today. I was patting myself on the back to the point where I broke my my shoulder because I'm sure I'm not the first person to come up with this idea that when you deal with the thing like the alien, the xenomorph. It you know it takes something from the host and becomes something different, right? So the 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 course for Alien Three to be made kind of is along the same process of gestation, assimilation, and destruction. Um, I feel like I'm like a high school debate class, and I'm about to go mm-hmm. through all this. So with with Alien, so I'll go through this history quickly. It's all on Wikipedia, so I'll say it better than I will. After Aliens came out, it was very successful. Twenty um, Century Fox wanted a sequel. Um, but the production company that was behind it was like, they weren't excited with what they were, what those kind of being like talked about. So David, uh, Geiler and, uh, Walter Hill, along with Gordon Carroll, uh, they said that they wanted to do another one, but not a reheat of one and two. So they wanted something different because, you know, you could argue people say it's the easy way to say that the alien is the first film is a haunted house. The second one's a roller coaster. So they didn't want to have the third one be calling back to those two. Can I, can yeah, I please. ask a quick question? Yeah. Uh, and this is not at all an observation that I had. It was just that uh, while doing research for this, um, I came across a couple people who, and I've never thought of it in this way. Uh, and I'm curious if you've ever thought of it this way, but uh, people, you, you mentioned the first alien being a haunted house. Um, I've now run into a couple occasions where people have referred to the first alien as a Gothic horror, which I guess it kind of fits that criteria, but I've never really thought of it in that no, sense. No, I mean, I, I, I don't have the best foundational education of gothic horror to make that statement. Uh, do I feel it's a haunted house in the sense that, like, you don't know what's around the corners, you're getting picked off, like, you don't understand the force that you're dealing with, but it's unstoppable? Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about that. It's dark, confining, claustrophobic. That's when I think of haunted house. I've, I've heard that phraseology for that film, and I think it's apt. Uh, do I think the second film is necessarily a horror film? No, but it doesn't set out to be. No, but but they both like they both exist together really wonderfully, right? So with this, like again, they didn't want to reheat it, right? So then they kept kicking around different things, and so the the Hill and, and Carol were kind of interested in more about Whale and Utani and about why they're so intent on using the aliens as weapons. So they kept kind of kicking around different things, and eventually they decided to do. Um, what was it said here that they had a, a treatment where um, the underhanded Whaling Utani Corporation was facing off with the military aggressive culture of humans who rigid society, sorry, rigid socialist ideology has caused them to separate from Earth society. So they start getting into this Cold War like um, thing that was going on, which was very relevant at the time of this rumor production because it was the late 80s. Uh, there was still like the big, you know, Cold War between us and the Soviets. So they kept coming around this idea and eventually and um, they were going to have Sigourney Weaver be a cameo and all this stuff. And so eventually they um, approached William Gibson to write uh, a version of the script and, but keep the cold war elements in. And this is, and we're going to talk about that because the comic is based upon that. Mm -hmm. So uh, after that, there was like a writer's strike. They were trying to get him to make some changes and he didn't really feel it. So he walked away from it. Um, So then they went to, um, who was it after that? Uh, Eric Reed. Uh, he did this kind of space farmers versus aliens thing. I read the description. It didn't sound interesting. They're like, nope, we're good. So they went on to David Twoofy, 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 yeah, uh, of Pitch Black and Chronicles of Riddick fame. And um, Below, didn't he do Below, the, the submarine movie? 
the the haunted submarine movie was it called below it was good Maybe. it was a good movie no no um, i don't know why but i was like for whatever reason that just brought to my brain there was a movie with i think it's cuba Gooda jr and some like rescue dogs and i don't know why that was the movie that popped into my head i don't even think it's called anything no below. it's called snow dogs isn't it i don't know but no, but I think reason, you're talking about it was like it was like eight below or something that had, it was also dealing with sled dogs. And I, I think it has James Vanderbeek in it or something. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, anyway, but for whatever reason, that was what. And one of them is a xenomorph. <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah. So this is how my brain works. Yeah. People. Anyway, so after they stepped away from the Eric Reed concept, they uh, they brought Sigourney Weaver back in for five million and a share of the box office with the request she had requested that the story be suitably impressive and original and and no guns, which. When we talked about Shocking Dark, I think I told you about how uh, when I was watching Aliens with Jim Cameron's commentary, he kept talking about all like he would kind of goose uh, Sigourney into trying guns out. And because he's just like this big, weird Canadian conservative and she's this big liberal and he had he had fun making her enjoy guns. But I think at this point she's like, <laughs> no, I have I have a little bit more sway. No guns. So you get that idea. So first, you know, Whale and Yutani and no guns. Right. And so and she's back on board. So then um, uh, Tui's script had an idea about her pod crashing onto a monastery-like satellite. Oh, sorry, that's not right. Uh, he wrote one about a prison planet. And as that was going on in development, uh, they brought in somebody else that was, that one of the producers saw one of his films that are stage productions. Like, he need to come into this. And he had this idea of them crash landing on this, like, monastery-like satellite that was, like, this large wooden satellite that was going to be these monks that were like sealed away from the rest of like, you know, space and she's there and the aliens there, but they don't know about the alien and they view her as a temptation and they view the alien as literally the devil. So they're like, so the producers were like, this is kind of an interesting idea, but why would there be a wooden satellite? Like, so they're going back and forth trying to figure all this out. And uh, what was the line here? Uh, actually, I'll read the description of the society. It said Ward envisioned, a planet whose interior was both wooden and archaic in design where Luddite-like monks would take the ref take refuge. The story begins with a monk who sees a star in the east, which is very similar to how Alien 3 starts with um, you know, Tywin Lannister looking up and seeing the pod crashing. Uh, and first believes this to be a good omen. They find her, and then um, they believe uh, this to be some type of religious trial. And they believe that, like, you know, they're worried about her because temptation and they just put her away while this thing's like stalking them and they believe it's the devil. So that's another thing, right? So you got prison planet, you got like a weird Judeo Christian thing mm -hmm. involving Ripley. So then at that point, um, uh, the producers are like, yeah, this is never going to get made. And someone described it as more, this was more bent on being artsy fartsy than a big commercial film. So they, they talked to that writer director and he walked away because they wouldn't bend to what he wanted to do. So that eventually um, they just kind of fused the two together. And so you got this film with religious ideology and temptation and Tui's like remnants of a prison planet on top of Wayla Nutani still kind of having this vested interest in experimenting on the, the alien as a biological weapon. So you get that all kind of put together and then you get Alien 3, which Fincher came in. And they, Fox was like, oh, he's an upcoming director of music videos. We'll let him do this. And they kept like exerting control over him. And they didn't give him final cut. And they changed parts of the film. So he doesn't want his name on it whatsoever. He actually says, no one hates this film more than I do, is what he said at one point. And he just kind of washed his hands and walked away from it. So what this is all coming down to is that for something that 
has all these different parts that shouldn't fit well together. And I know your argument is that they don't. And that, no, no. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't think, you know, I, can, I, can, I understand where you're coming from. I just think that and now. So now what happened is so the, the film that was released in the theaters was 114 minutes. That's the one that you saw. And there was significant changes to the film. I, in terms of some of the pacing and some of the more story elements later on people that were part of the film that knew what Fincher wanted to do, took his notes and edited the film to the best of their knowledge of how he would have wanted it to be. And they called it the assembly cut because it's not a director's cut. Mm. Um, so that, that comes out and it has like another 30 some more minutes of additional footage. And I ended up watching this, I don't know, probably 10 years ago. Cause I had an initial like dislike of alien three as well. And my mind changed completely watching the assembly cut. That's why I asked you to watch it. So uh, we'll talk about some of the differences between the two in a second here. But so now that you've seen the assembly cut, do you feel differently about Alien 3? I wish I could say yes. <laughs> I, I, I do. Oh. Like, I, I think that there's a lot of cool ideas there. I think that there's... Uh, well, okay, let me, let me go back then. What is it that you love? Well, I, I just like I, I don't want to sit the, here the, like pissing on it the whole time. No, 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 I'm no, no, curious no, to know no. what you enjoy about it. Well, every reason you don't like it. No, uh, no. So, <laughs> um, it, it, it there is no joy in the film. I I kind of I so, and I mean to be fair, there's probably no joy in Alien, but there's, no, there's there, you get a little camaraderie. There's some fun there, and like up until the moment that uh, um, John Hurt, who was also a doctor by the way, and a Doctor Who special, so there's a lot of doctors going on around here. Uh, he was also in for one thing too. Uh, you know, he's like, I'm really hungry. I should have a meal. And then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. You know, like there, you, there is some fun to be had in that film. And then it just it stops having some fun of this crew. That's kind of stuck, you know, doing this thing. Cause you have, um, all oh, the two, uh, Oh, the, the two guys that are working in the bottom. I forget uh, the, the actors, um, Yafet Koto and, and, um, he just passed away recently. Um, but, but, yeah, but yeah. I can see his he's, face. He's in everything. Harry Dean Stanton. Yes. Like, they're fun. Because uh, watching it again, I just realized, like, how comfortable they were with each other and just mm -hmm. some of the shit they'd say to each other. It was a good time. So I appreciated that. It felt like these people all worked together for however long, and they knew each other. And they may not always like each other, but they're kind of a family. And then, then this thing comes and tears them apart. So I will give you that. Uh, Aliens is more fun. It has more one-liners. It is it is so of its time, but it, I just I, Aliens to me is almost a perfect film, maybe because I love it so much. With this, there is no joy, but I think that falls in line with the story they wanted to tell of Ripley getting through this thing twice, and then so even on the first film, they at least had like some makeshift weapons, like the stun sticks, and they had like stuff, right? And then the second film, they had every weapon. And they still couldn't do anything for the most part. And this one, it's like, oh, by the way, do you guys have any weapons? He's like, we have some axes maybe and some small knives in the kitchen. And then she's like, can you make fire? Like they, they have nothing because these people have, um, you know, purposely kept themselves away from temptation because they know their violent pasts, which I know you talked about that already, that they can live in their own version of isolation and perfection, though it's a hard life. And there's, I don't, Charles Dutton's character of Dylan, I get that he loves everybody, but his love is, it's really severe, but I think that's the kind of man he is. And then you introduce this element of a woman and what was a relatively drama free thing becomes complicated because of that. Cause guys are like, now I have temptation again. Now I don't have to follow like this agreed thing that we're doing. So I think that brings a different threat to her. 
and then also there's the the Whalen Utani, the two guys, like the the head guy, and then eighty five. Um, how there's still that bureaucracy going on, but there's almost a face of it this time. Oh, he had Paul Reiser in the first film. Sorry, second film. There's a lot there going on that I like, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of consequence. Like she, when you find out that Hicks and Newt didn't make it, and as much as she's destroyed by that, the first thought she is, I need to see the bodies. I need to know. Like so, even she can't even grieve properly because there's this this nightmare that could still be there, and I, um. I, I like that. I like um, uh, I like that these prisoners that have pretty much nothing to live for, like they're still like it's still they don't want to die by this thing, and they're just trying to live their life. And this thing showing up and how they still function. There, there's a lot there that I I like. Charles Dance's character, um, you you get you get his whole story, and I like his his reason for being there. Well, you shouldn't like his story reason, but I like his character. Um, and even the crazy dude, like he adds an element that you didn't necessarily have in the other movies. Yeah. Um, because so in the assembly cut and I keep talking, I'm sorry, I'm telling you about no, why I love this. Uh, so I asked, yeah, so. <laughs> in alien in the, in the original one that was released for the theater, whenever there's the bit where they use the big, um, radiation or toxic waste containment tank to try to catch the alien, uh, th- before the trap is set, there's the issue where they drop, the thing that could catch fire and cause all the volatile chemicals to, to go up and it causes all his problems in the original theatrical cut of the film. That's what happens. And they don't catch the alien and they move on. So like, there's a lot of weird edits and it moves on with that with the assembly cut. They actually catch it. And then there's the extended sequence where you find out, um, you know, the crazy guy, uh, I keep wanting to call him garlic and it's not garlic. It's almost <laughs> garlic. Cause he looks like he stinks. Well, there's uh, a whole scene Gallic. about him stinking, yeah, stinking yeah. yeah. But he keeps talking about how he wants to see the dragon, and there's yeah. the, I, I, I just there's that's a different element. I like it. It's just like you're so crazy that you have no problem opening this containment to go in and, and ask the dragon what you want, to, what it wants next, and then you just get killed. But it's back out again. I liked that they have nothing, and they actually succeeded in doing something that Ripley's not been able to do up to this point, and they got taken away from her. And then there's the complication of. Uh, you know, the the company knows that she's there or they're coming already because they think there's potential xenomorph. And then when she does the medical scan and finds out that she has a queen inside her, they double time to get to her. So I, I like that. And then also she has this knowledge of like, we have nothing. What can we do to try to stop this now um, before it gets out? Also, how do you inspire those around you that have nothing to live for other than themselves that they need to sacrifice themselves for the sake of the universe? Like, do you feel she does that though? That she convinces them? Yeah. No, I feel like Charles uh, uh, Dutton does. I feel like Dylan gets them because at the end he's like, you know, it's a good death, and he's like, and all you guys that you know, you can stay here if you want to, because but are you going to die a just man? Like he just, I, his speeches are amazing. He has such a great way of just commanding a room. Mm-hmm. Um, do I agree that the motivations maybe move a little bit and get a little wobbly? Yeah, I could see that, but I think his character is relatively consistent through the film. I don't agree with his notion of like um, when she asks him to kill her, and he's like, "I need you alive." It's like, no, 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 no. She's telling you that something really bad's about to happen. Like, I don't know about his whole thing of like, first we kill it and then I kill you. I, it's a badass line, but logistically, I don't know if that makes the most sense. Yeah, and I will also say that uh, you know the fake out with him like swinging at yeah. her. 
is literally only there for drama's sake. Like it doesn't really serve a purpose other than like for him to then give yeah. that line. Um, I do have two things that I want to yeah. ask you regarding the film. Um, the first one's a, a, a minor thing, and it it's interesting because I've noted in, in the past that uh, I, my brain will sometimes get hung up on story beats that ultimately a lot of people don't, but for whatever reason it can ruin an entire movie for me. There, one of the things that I see a lot of people debating is is why how how did this egg make it onto the ship? from the end of Aliens into this movie. Well, then my question to you would be, how did the Queen get onto the dropship to come all the way up to the Sulaco when that thing, you know, she comes down the back. It's like, you don't you think Bishop would have noticed, like, hey, there's something really significant hanging off the back of this ship. Right. So I... Uh, yeah. So here, here's the thing. Yeah. That's not something that bothers me. So yeah. I was just curious because, like, I, I, I can understand people's point of view where they're like, why is there an egg? Like, it's just there simply to kickstart the movie. Like, there's no real good reason as to why it's there. Um, but I, I actually don't have a problem with that. So I was wondering if that was a sticking point for you. No, okay. I feel like if if, if you if you've already maybe buy in with the queen getting onto the Sulaco, you know, even though we believe we see her, we saw her the entire time. We don't know because she actually put because there's an egg in um, uh, wherever the the, hype, the 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 tubes are whatever right whatever I you I don't know how it got there but knowing that there's always the possible threat of something else mm-hmm. I'm okay with that because there's actually two eggs right so yeah um, because and one that's is the, filled with uh, uh, a cream yes uh, yeah one of mallow <laughs> and uh, an English cream or whatever uh, so also with the assembly cut and this is something I want to talk about too is that the the Facehugger finds like one of these big oxen on this planet, which mm-hmm. is what Furiona 161 or Fury 161, which I don't care what you say. That's a badass name for a prison planet. Sure. Fury 161. Like, that's cool. Yeah, I um, never gave it a thought, but yeah. Oh, oh, okay, I'm glad we know something. It- <laughs> uh, uh, but in the, the regular cut of the movie, they actually made it like a dog that was uh, yeah. taken over. Um, so there. With um with this assembly cut like Fincher when he had the original idea he wanted to make something that was like I want this to be a beast like like a jaguar like a puma, so this is why this thing becomes a quadruped because it's taking on elements of the of its host, mm-hmm. uh and also so with the dog it's supposed to be like faster and running around and I guess during some of the the filming they tried putting on an alien head on a whippet to see how it would run around and they thought it was the dumbest looking thing so they didn't use any of that footage, good call, uh I don't know if the puppetry in this works the best but whenever the alien isn't being like rotoscoped onto the screen or whatever it looks really good so that's actually something that was going to be my second uh question to you um uh before we had um sat down to talk about this this evening there was a brief discussion at uh the watching of grizzly slash roar on friday where el goro was like please you know if you guys discuss the special effects please make a point of you know letting people know that it's not CGI. There's like one CGI shot in the movie, and it's not what you think it is. Um, but on that same note, and this goes back to our viewing uh, of Aliens, where you had mentioned that like you felt like there were a couple shots in in Aliens where you could see the seams, yeah, and it didn't work for you. 
Well, I, I, mean, I don't know if you said it didn't work for you, but it, it seemed like it pulled you out of the movie. Well, I think we're talking about Terminator when I said I could see the seams there. Okay. Uh, but with Aliens, well, so the original... I think it might have been made. a rear projection thing, maybe that was like. Well, uh, so um, it's my, one of my favorite shots of the aliens is the rear projection of the dropship crashing and how the camera moves okay. to the right and they're all running so ahead. Maybe I'm hand. confusing my. I said that about Terminator. Games, films. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but so with the original Alien, that suit costs like one million, and Cameron's like, I can make like eight of them for X number of dollars, and you won't even know. And he's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this, when you saw the practical alien suit like being used for as briefly as it was, which is crazy to me because it looked good. It looked good. Yeah. The puppetry portions, which as much as this assembly cut has been given the love of, so there was even bits at the beginning um, when the two guys are talking about while the ox is dead and they're like, well, they're, you know, we'll put it in the stew or whatever. That audio was originally lost or it was just, it was shot on set. Mm. So when you watch this, when it was originally put on DVD, you'd hear this weird fuzzy audio. They went back and redubbed that. They actually got the actors in to cut it. So the movie's more smooth because you could tell the scenes where the audio wasn't complete. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I, I just want to bring it up because they smoothed it over. I wish they would have done a pass on the alien, but I know that would have been way more expensive than just audio. So, yeah, I mean, here's my question though. Um, I feel like one of the things that's lacking in the film is by using so much of the puppeteered alien, I never really felt like, and this is, again, goes back to the discussion that we've had about like actors working with either green screen or something along lines where it's not really there and you don't feel the impact of something physically being there. Mm-hmm. I I felt like half of the, I shouldn't even say half, I would say most of the times that we saw the alien, I never felt like it was physically with whoever it was supposed to be with. And I, 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 I wouldn't go so far as to say it took me out of the movie, but I never felt the impending dread or even excitement that I felt in Aliens where, you know, there's that great shot where, you know, Hicks lifts up the ceiling and you just see a bunch of them. Yeah. And it feels like they're there. Mm-hmm. I never get that with this movie. And I, you're absolutely right. And I agree with that. And I'm not no. trying to shit on the special effects because I understand like rod puppetry and all you know everything that they were doing they they were trying to do it to their best abilities. It wasn't like they were like we're going to make this look terrible. It just <laughs> it, for whatever reason it just never sold to me that they were there with them. Yeah, so, I mean, so what about the 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 very end whenever they they chase the alien in to the like the iron slag works or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And it's that nice beautiful red shot of the light and you have Charles S. Dutton at the bottom and he sends Ripley up again the decision's a little weird. He's like, "You got to get out of here." It's like, "Does she?" But whatever. Um it just when the alien's walking towards him, that's cool looking. And I you're right. There are some cool shots in the yeah. movie. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to I'm just saying that like both Alien and Aliens do a really good job of making you feel like the alien is there with them. And I completely I will agree with that. It's also weird because one of the most iconic things from Alien is that image of Ripley pressed up against the wall with her face kind of like, you know, looking away from the alien and the face is right there and that's from this movie. Yeah. And but people and that becomes a meme and people know it and it's recognizable. Uh my favorite is I don't know if you've seen the one with the stapler. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like that's, yeah, that's funny. Uh, so you're absolutely right. I, so for me, when we when we talked about earlier and with the news about like the what if projects and everything else, uh, this assembly cut is a complete film, and I will judge it on its own merits. But I, for some reason, this film, I'm able to look past 
those shortfalls because knowing that I still, I get a more complete story and experience out of this cut that, um, if, if this is the, the best cut of this film I'm going to get and the alien, you're, if it's not a presence, like it, you know, maybe you feel like it should be, but we still get this interesting character work with Ripley. And then when she realizes what's going on within her, there, there's like, that starts like this ticking clock thing. And I, that her, her, um, relationship with Dylan, like, cause it, it changes from the doctor to, to him. Um, Charles dance, not, I keep mentioning doctors as in who, but as in Charles dance, uh, who? Yeah, right. Um, there's like, I, I like, I like, there's some interesting dynamics here that I, you didn't see in the first two films. Because in the first film, in a lot of ways, people weren't meant to know that Ripley was the main character until about three quarters of the way through, mm-hmm. the way it was set up. And in the second film, she was the main character, but she was put amongst a bunch of this military industrial complex type thing that she had to prove her, her place and she knew what she was doing. And here, like, she has to prove she could hold her own against all these prisoners but she doesn't necessarily care about that. Like I, but at the same time there is that presence. So I, I, there's, there's a lot here that I like about the movie and I don't know. I, I just, I, maybe because I feel like the assembly cut fixed a lot of at least the pacing and giving me the story that I feel like they're trying to tell. I can forgive some of this and maybe because it also feels like it very much exists in the late nineties with that industrial dark look. Mm-hmm. Um, that again doesn't equate to any hope, but you know this one to say that, and I, I'm cut you off. No, that whenever the producer said they don't want to reheat of one and two, they did not get that with oh, this. That's absolutely fair. And um, so it, you know it may not be the most thoroughly baked meal with with ingredients that complement each other. I still think you get an interesting dish that's worth having. Congratulations for me to bring that out of there. That's pretty uh-huh. great. Yes, yes. Um. You know, I I've, I only had a few more things because I, I want to talk about the comic. Yeah. Um, I will say that watching the assembly cut, and I'm sure it's probably in the original, and I just forgotten. But um, I really thought like once once they start getting into the lice and bugs and things that are on the planet, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, there are some cool places they probably could have gone with this, and then they just kind of go away. <laughs> um, but also. Um, you know, I... it, it sets up an interesting thing of like you get the idea that uh, Fury One Six One is not really meant for anything to live here, like you know, successfully, and that's a lot of that's on the surface. So when you get down below, you don't see it as much, yeah. Uh, because I mean, also I like also the look of the prison too, like because it's basically with these twenty five guys keeping the pilot light on, as they said. There, there, there's something to be said too for that. Like you could tell this was a hustling, bustling place at one point, even though a prison. And that it just it just feels like in disrepair. And the one of the people said that like nothing works here. Uh, we have technology, but it you can't. It's, it needs to be repaired. There, it just you took Ripley and put her in the absolutely worst possible position to face off against the creature after seeing, you know, probably the best possible position in the second film. So I, I liked. I like that aesthetic and that juxtaposition. Yeah. I just, I, there's that one scene where the pipe 
gets broken open and all those disgusting bugs come out. Yeah. And just the, the nature of the alien looking the way it is. And, you know, there's a queen and there's a hive and like, I don't know. I just, I don't know what I wanted, but I was like, I wish there would have been more of an interesting connection between the bugs and the actual alien in this film, mm-hmm. which that's a, that's just a, again, one of those weird ways that my brain works. <laughs> it's not like, you know, it, the movie would have been better had there been more bugs. I just was like, oh, that would have been interesting. There would have been 10% more. more bugs. I would like this movie. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so. And then the last thing I just wanted to ask about is, is how do you feel about, um, it's not, it's not that there's an almost rape in the film of, of Ripley in the sense that like, there's the attempted rape, the attempted. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in some senses you could say that like the, you know, explore, ex, exploration of being a mother and a host, that kind of thing mm-hmm. is been through both all or all three of the alien films um but you know it's it's only when charles uh dutton dutton uh dylan um whenever i hit your dylan i just automatically think of predator um you son of a bitch (laughs) um but no i i it's weird that we we've seen ripley survive all these awful things and then like suddenly like it takes charles Dutton Dylan to show up to to save her from this and like it's it's an instantaneous thing where it's like these guys have been living in harmony and I understand the point of like oh now there's temptation here that's going to well, put them in a position still, but it's like suddenly like there's, there's ripples, a woman here yeah there's ripples in the film her. like where you, you <laughs> have the the different inmates talk to each other it's like do you believe this and he's like no but it's like basically he bought in they bought in to stay there yeah so they do they do the religion thing so there's a couple of them that were toting the line because the their options outside were next to nothing so they're going to do this but then the moment things change there's aggression and yeah. I, I so i don't disagree with that also you know she as much as she was like uh trying to get to the trash heap to find you know garbage bishop um which, by the way, that was a complete puppet that they did with that, like animatronic, and it's like the, it's it looks pretty good for being. I mean, uh, that's my understanding is that's uh, all of Lance Hendrickson is yeah. just a puppet. Oh, in general, yeah. yes. Uh, so even at the end when his ear was flopping off, and he's like, "I'm not a robot." It's like, well, you need to be more considerate about your ear hanging off the side of your head. <laughs> um, that's just me. Um, so she was so focused on finding him, and then also. Like they're they're the beginning when she first wakes up and she they're like uh, the doctor's like looking in her eyes and that she has that one red like area in her eye. It's so hard to look at her because it's like that looks like that just sucks. Like yeah. she looks like she got beat to shit. So I could tell that she's not in the right like the most aware mindset and she's trying to figure out what's going on. So when these four guys jump her, I don't think it's a matter of taking away Ripley's agency that's okay. if i'm even using that phrase right because I, I uh, she's being saved by um like you know charles dutton i think it's just more that something happens and it shows you that this time th- there's more not that there wasn't a threat with other people in the second film i mean kind of with paul riser but he was more of a trying to move pieces around to get what he wanted as opposed to physically overpowering people this time it's like yeah there's this killing machine out here and these guys are all killing machines too so how do you navigate that Mm-hmm. So that sequence, you know, doesn't necessarily need to be in the movie. No. Do I feel like they take it too far? Thankfully, no. But it also establishes Dylan's character as he, even though he's a man that has a past that is dark and we don't know entirely what it is, he has his code. And even like the whole thing, he's like, he's like, you better run along. He's like, I got to instruct these brothers or whatever he says to him. Like, I got to reeducate them. Yeah. And he's just beating the shit out of them. It's like, I, 
there's there's that that there's that hard Christianity that you always kind of see in these things, and it's just. I, I like that scene and the, for what it was, not because of the content of it. No, I I understand. Yeah. I just I, I and I can't specifically put my finger on what it is about that scene. Do, do I need I the guy putting it, on the goggles about what he's about to do the raping where he puts the goggles on? He looks like he's something from Mad Max. I don't need that because he like looks up and puts his like his goggles on. He tilts his head back like it's yeah. time to party. I'm like I don't know. I don't I don't know Vin Diesel. I don't know if I need that. You know, like that was weird looking. Okay, but <laughs> I just, <laughs> it just I don't know what it is. It's just. Something that stuck out on me, and I don't even remember if it stuck out at me upon my first viewing back in '92. But maybe it's just that I'm much more conscious of the decisions that are made in entertainment now. Mm. That it just it didn't sit right with me, and I I, I can't specifically, like I said, pinpoint why. But I I do feel like it's it's a point in the movie where it's just there to stress how helpless Ripley is, as opposed to further in the movie but that's again my i think that i do think the help set up more of the relationship with her and dylan because he got her back and that's fair. so um so some other changes in the simple cut just to mention them here uh one the beginning she washes on shore so it's not like a crash landing so i don't mm-hmm. even know if uh charles dance character well, she's sees. covered in bugs in that and i yeah. think that's why you know i was like oh this is gonna go someplace yeah. interesting with this. gross right so yeah. that that so it's different she washes up on the shore there as opposed to straight up like crash landing um, then also there's more scenes extended to focus more on religious views. That shouldn't surprise you. Um, the, the succeeding and trapping the alien, the guy who wants to go see the dragon that doesn't go well. Uh, whenever Ripley sacrifices herself at the end and like, kills herself in the original cut of the movie, the queen bursts out of her chest yeah. and she grabs it and drags it down with her. And this cut, they don't do that, which I think is a smarter move because how would the queen know, Hey, I need to get out of here. This is like, she's about to do what? She's crazy, you know. Like I feel like. See, I never took it as like a a um, purposeful move on the queen's behalf, and that it's trying to survive. Mm-hmm. I just took it as like it just unfortunately happened at that time. Yeah, it just but that feels like a very movie moment. You know? Oh yeah, like, absolutely. So, uh, so I think her just like you know falling in. I think it, it worked perfectly well. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot of people discuss in my research, you know, the merits of of that ending, the, the assembly cut ending versus. And honestly, I, I I don't really have a preference. I wish I could say that I I had one. Obviously, you you feel like it's a, a, a better ending if it doesn't, but I I don't think it changes it that much for me. And you're right. And I, but I also like the, the 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 very end of the film when it does the whole you know the stress signal from the Nostromo and it kind of wraps yeah. up and it focuses again on the the sleep pods. Because the first one ends with her sleeping in it, second one ends with her and Newt sleeping in their pods, and this one is an empty one. So there is some symmetry mm-hmm. amongst the movies, and there's some other other things that kind of show up a little bit too. But so yeah, is, is this a perfect film? Absolutely not. Um, considering the the wreckage that was surrounding it and how it got made, and unfortunately, uh, what was shown in the theater, the, the, this assembly cut I feel like is, you know. <laughs> It is a marvel that it is. It makes as much sense as it does. It's a marvel that it looks as good as it does. Sans some of the puppetry of the alien, I just think cinematography. It's really good. I think the score and it's really good. I think the performances are really good, um, and I feel like it actually rounds out Ripley's story pretty well. Granted, yes, there is no hope, but it's still it, it ends it. Yeah, and uh, you, and then there's a fourth movie. Well, you'd mentioned and a prequel again. That puppetry and you a know. sequel to the prequel. But I will say that at the same time, like that's pretty standard for a lot of the films that were coming out at that time. Yeah, I, I when I was. 
pointing that out. I was making more of a specific point that like I never felt like they were in the same room together. Like uh, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's like oh that ruins the movie for me. I just meant that I never felt the the actual um, there was that bit closeness where, in the film yeah. that you do with the others, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense considering that both of those movies were made prior, where you would have less special effects available to you. So yeah, all right. So okay, so we're going to transition. Then that went longer than I was expecting. Hey, but that's what we do here. Uh, so the William Gibson script that was written for alien three before this happened. Um, it's now been turned into a comic book by dark horse. It's five issues. It's out now. Like I posted on Facebook, you can pick it up for like six bucks total. What comicsology? Are you was, speaking uh, faster now? Trying to get... No, no there's a comic there's there, the... there was a burp coming out. There's, there was a chest burster of a burp coming out. I know. I just wanted to mention it because like you could buy it digitally for $6 total for all five issues. So buy it. Like it's worth, it's worth checking out. Yeah. I did not know that the script was kind of circulation because the way I'm kind of reading about it, people have said, Oh, it's been out there for a while. It's the superior, the third movie that should have been made. Um, People will say that about anything, though. Like, I, I feel like no matter what they got, and I clearly was not a fan of this movie, but I feel like no matter what the movie is, there's always like, oh, that's the movie they should have made, yeah. because it simply wasn't the movie that was made. Yeah, so with this one, it's telling the story of after the events of Aliens, uh, the Sulaco uh, somehow, because of a, a navigation error or something, ends up in uh, contested space because there is... Um, there's two groups of earthlings, like the whale and Utani people. I forget what they're called, like earth earthlings earth, of earth. And then there's the UPP, which is the United people's party. I don't know. Um, I was down with UPP. Yeah. You know me. Um, and they're the more for what we talked about. They're more of the, the, the Soviet, like, you know, strict type. And so this whole thing kicks off. It becomes, uh, this thing of, uh, the whale of Utani knows what they possibly have on the ship, but then the UPP also figures it out too. And they both inadvertently get samples of the alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you, yeah. How, how was there an egg laid on Bishop in that one? People are okay with that. Like yeah. in his, on his remains of his body, but not in the movie that we saw, whatever. Um, I will say it's a cooler visual. It is a cooler visual. <laughs> so this goes on. It becomes more of a, a cold war, type thing where you have it's not an arms race because there's this treaty in place to keep both parties you know at bay but they both know that there's a biological weapon that they could use to possibly against each other yeah and so um i I like it um but i also this goes in a little different direction because they had to have they had the was a material found of the alien and there was an egg that actually burst open that had a face hugger and all that stuff so there's an actual xenomorph wandering around somewhere Mm -hmm. but in the meantime uh, scientists on both stations are examining this material and realize how adaptable it is, but also how fast it is, and it's causing other things to happen. Yeah. So, um, and then you get all these characters that are introduced, which unfortunately, and I and I hate to knock the comic, outside of Hicks and like Bishop, and there's a couple people because one had facial hair and one was an older man. I just had a hard time placing everybody in this. I feel like a film would have done a better job of me figuring out who's who. Um, but the second time I read it, I kind of got better understanding what was what. Well, I do feel like uh, I feel like in some senses they should have taken a little bit more uh, of a of, of a look at where we are in the story and done a little bit of a better job of because both of these uh, 
simultaneous stories that are going on take place on different um, craft. But they don't look drastically different. So no, you're not one's sure called when you Anchor switch. Point, and the other one's called Rodina, I think. Yeah, yeah, Rodina. And like you're never quite sure if it switches. Like, because there were times where I was reading, I'm like, wait, am I in the same place? Yeah. If I switch to a different room, am I in a different? Um, I'll be honest. It took me the craft? same time reading through to realize that they were there were two separate locations. Okay. Because like, I read through it pretty fast, and then I was like, oh, okay, this makes a lot more sense now. But you're right. There's nothing to really show the difference between the two space stations. And I, I don't fault the artist. Um, and actually, I want to give some praise for uh, the artist. Um, I think it's, is it Johnny Christmas? Which is... Uh, yeah, nope, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and the coloring is, is beautiful as well. And, and like, uh, I really love some of the color choices here by, uh, was it Tamara um, Bonneville? Bonvillain. Bon, bon, bon Bonvillain? Bonvillain. Uh, <laughs> um, you got Johnny Christmas and Tamara Bonvillain. Uh, what I think that um that he does so well and this is coming from somebody who tries to make comics himself there's nothing harder to do than like pages upon pages of people giving exposition and talking where it might work great in a film but like there's only so many ways you can slice a conversation on the page yeah and he does a really good job of moving the the characters around and giving you interesting angles and following the conversations. So like that stuff's extremely hard to do and the fact that he was able to pull that off um is really impressive. I just wish that in the writing of the adaptation that they would have thought like hey, we just need a, a caption here saying that we've changed locations. They do that sometimes, but it's not always but not apparent. always. Yeah, yeah. Um, so because there's even a point. Well, it's the very end of the mo- the end of the movie, end of the story where it ends, and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, because uh, there's uh, a ship that shows up at the end that kind of saves the day, but it's kind of out of the blue. Yeah. And I was like, wait, where are we now? Mm-hmm. I was, I wasn't able to still track in the story where that ship came again from it took me the we second were. time through to realize because once i knew what the payoff was in terms of that action bit yeah it 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 does make sense when you're reading it the second time through and there's also so that's the other thing too is like there's these details that would have popped on the screen where so like these scientists are they're like you know taking the the alien material and exposing it and uh to like human genetic material or like growing it in a, like a tube or whatever mm-hmm. Uh, one of them, this is on um, Anchor Point. The one scientist has a badge that is like has a white stripe on it. He was like telling somebody, like, you can't come in here without a badge. If it turns red, that means there's contamination. So then shortly thereafter, there's an explosion in there. Everything's contaminated. But if you're looking through the panels, they, they don't point it out. But very, very small, you see his stripe mm-hmm. turns red. And it's like it's not focused on, which I, I get it, but it's like, I feel like when you get to later, when you find out that he realizes what's going on and tries to take care of himself and get away because he knows he's a potential threat, we didn't even talk about what that means. You clearly see his badges read then, but it's like I, I didn't pick up on it until mm-hmm. I read it a second time, which I guess my recommendation is read this twice because yeah. it reads much better the second time, but the first time it was kind of confusing. Um, so what I want to get to is, one, do you like the Cold War stuff? Because I, I think it's interesting – uh, just from the the idea of it, but mm-hmm. you're right. There's a lot of conversation that goes back and forth, and kind of this uh, polite one-upsmanship of like you know, of dealing with one another. Right. Um, I don't know if if like is is really the word that I would use. I didn't dislike it, but at the same time, it's very 
again, I use you know the word it, it, a lot of it's exposition. They're trying to explain where we are at this point, and and obviously in a film script, you know, you can do that, and it might be a minute on the screen of a conversation, whereas it might be four pages of a comic. And so when you're adapting something like that, I can see how it can become strenuous for the reader. Um, but when it comes to the actual like Cold War piece of it. I I don't know that I would have missed it if it was gone, but I didn't hate it. Okay, what if it was changed to a prison planet? No, <laughs> or a wooden well, satellite full of monks? How do you feel about now? Y- you um, know, I what I I want to go back to the comment about people saying, "Well, this is a script they should have made," and I want to point something out here about this story. So Ripley is in a coma the entire story. Yeah, like she's not active in in the story, and actually, at one point, she just gets jettisoned out by Hicks because he's like, "We're gonna get her the hell out of here," um, because you know shit's gonna go down. And they they got rid of Newt relatively the same way. Yeah, I mean, it was at least a nice enough ending for her talking to him. I do like the moment where uh, she's leaving and she she looks at Hicks and she says affirmative. Yeah, um, I thought that was a really nice character moment and, and wonderfully drawn. But well, and there's even something. Uh, sorry, there's a bit whenever Bishop's reconstituted and they're asking him like, "What do you last remember?" He's like, "I have the phrase not bad for a human, but I don't understand the context." Yeah, like I was like, "That's kind of funny." Like that he like there's some good some good callbacks, callbacks. in the second movie, mm-hmm. uh, but it's sorry. Go, please go ahead. But had this yeah. been a movie that came out. And Ripley was in it for a minute. Yeah, people would be pissed. But isn't that the inverse of what happened with three, where you know Ripley was like the main character, rightfully so, but Hicks and Newt are tossed to the side. I feel like this is the inverse of this, where Hicks he's becoming he becomes the main guy about halfway through the story, yeah. uh, and then Bishop also shows up and becomes more helpful. Um, so it's almost it's it's almost like this weird opposite world of where. Those two guys get prominent stage, yeah. and and uh, Ripley and Neuter out the door. But you know, the point that I'm making yeah. is, is that for people who are like, this is the movie they should have made. Had this movie been made, people would have been angry that that Ripley wasn't was barely in it. So um, that that's why. And gonna, I know that's contractual, like to what Sigourney Weaver was going to do and like what she'd agree to do. So the William Gibson script was actually there was, and there was some information about this. I didn't get into it when we talked about the original genesis of the film. Uh, whenever the, the, the aliens came out, Fox was like, we, we should make a sequel, but they were going to make back to back sequels, shoot them together, you know, back to the future two and three style. So this was actually the first half of a story that in the fourth one, Ripley would have come back and been like the big prominent character. Oh yeah. They, um, they were going to show up and hand her the lightsaber and she's just going to throw it away. <laughs> I really thought you were going to have a moment of like, yeah, I read about this. Yeah. No, no she I'm was sorry. supposed to come back as a more prominent character in the fourth one. So that was the plan initially, but then they dropped like whenever they were running yeah. into the production troubles, like we're just going to make a third one. So this one ends, it, it ends, it, it tells the whole story it's supposed to tell with, uh, Anchor Point and Rodina. I did read but, that it was originally going to be two parts. Yeah, but I, I just I think that had it come out, people still would have been. Mad. No, I agree. But like, <laughs> this, this ends almost very similar to Prometheus, where it's like, oh, we know there's something out there. Let's yeah. go get it. You know, type of thing. Uh, so, um, how did you feel about the idea of the xenomorph, like whatever this is, if it's being you know screwed with in a lab and being like you know at a cellular level that it almost becomes an infection. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I actually liked it because it was an interesting twist on the xenomorph. I, I will say that, like, and it's hard to pull this off on the page, the way instead of it bursting out of you, uh, it sort of 
becomes not becomes I mean, you. it bursts you like it, it you're bursts out of you, but at like at full size, yeah. not like a chest burster. Um, the closest I can think of is, is it would be like a transformation where Jeff Goldblum becomes the fly at the very end of the fly, <laughs> or, or the very beginning where he's like, I got transported, like, oh no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, like visually, that was what came to mind. But uh, I just vomited all over myself. <laughs> what happened? Oh. Here, have some donuts, yeah. Um, Gia Davis, what a bang! Oh no. <laughs> Uh, that's my rendition of the fly in 30 seconds yeah um so yeah i i um <laughs> i don't know where i was going no so the transformation thing i at first whenever the because one of the company people the the girl that was working for uh, Nutani, she was exposed and then there's a bit when they're like we're going to destroy all the samples right and she's like you can't do that and then she started like getting mad at them yeah. and fighting and then she changed i was like oh is this almost like is she aware this is this was going on, but like then she's it, the, the Hulk. Well, not like the Hulk, but like she was turning into this thing, but then still who she was after it transformed. Okay, because there's that when she's talking, her dialogue shifts, and all of a sudden she becomes this like you know, it looks like a xenomorph kind of, but it actually has more of the facial features of a human, which is kind of a callback to the original Alien with the the human skull and its dome that you can't yeah. see because the lighting was so dark that the million dollar suit couldn't be seen. Uh, but I thought for a second that she'd still be her. But she just became this thing, yeah. and it was on a rampage. Um, so then there's the idea that anybody could be potentially infected with this, kind of like the thing. You know, you don't know who to trust now. Yeah. And there was these situations where people were on the run, and I was talking to you about this before we started recording. There was someone that was in the spacesuit that they started like changing. And they start bleeding out mm-hmm. their nose and ears and eyes, but they're in a spacesuit, so you just see the dome that they're in fill up with blood in their helmet. And it's so fast in the comic that I had to take a second and think, how ridiculously great would that look in a it film? It would be a horrifying image in a film. Yeah. Um, so whatever you know, issues I might have with these comic issues, that was badass. Like that was scary as all get out. Um, but yeah, I just. I don't know. Like it, I almost feel like the contagion thing was almost a bridge too far. Cause even though this is the perfect organism and it can adapt, I feel like it needs to take something from the host and gestate as opposed to, um, I just, I feel like what we see in the first two movies, even though you, this is science fiction, you can do whatever you want. Uh, I still kind of like it having its own life cycle, mm-hmm. but always taking from a host as opposed to like completely manipulating and becoming, I don't, I, there's a different, I don't know how to say it, but uh, it was a cool idea. I just didn't think it really rang true with the Xenomorph. Which do you prefer, the way that the alien evolves in Prometheus or this? (laughs) Neither. Um, I I prefer the way it evolves in 3 in the sense that you actually see, it's the first time you see it actually face hug a a creature that's not a human, Mm -hmm. and it actually ends up taking on like a quadruped's features, but it's still distinctly a Xenomorph. So it always takes something from its host. I like that type of evolution uh, where it's constantly like building on that. Uh, the one in Prometheus, no. Um, no, I don't like that. And uh, and I don't – like I didn't dislike it here. Uh, if you would have taken the Xenomorph thing out of it, maybe I'd have been like, like – it becomes Leviathan. <laughs> At that point, yeah. it's really what it becomes. Um, it worked for this. Uh, it, was, it was okay. Uh, um I did like that when you had the Xenomorph actually show up against whatever you want to call these other things, it was pissed at it and actually fought it because mm-hmm. it felt like it's like no humans are safe, but it's like, screw that thing. It's not one of me. 
and threw down. I thought that was cool, and it was over way too fast, but I yeah. thought that was really cool. Yeah, and um, like I said, like the 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 half of the story is just characters talking and exposition and giving footing for where we are in this world and where we are with the characters. Um, so, like, hats off to the artists for doing such a good job with that. Um, at the same time. I, I do think this could have gone another issue because so much of the action feels rushed towards the second half of the story. Yes. Um, particularly the ending. The last issue... It, the last issue is essentially the last 10 minutes of your movie, mm-hmm. I think. And yeah, because I flipped through it. I'm like, whoa, we're done? Like, yeah. it was really fast. <laughs> so I feel like that could have been drawn out a little bit more um, and, and maybe paced differently. Um, specifically, when you're trying to build sus- suspense amongst the characters... Because when we mentioned like how we keep changing locations and we're unaware of it sometimes and different characters are not aware of it, mm-hmm. um, I feel like had that been drawn out a little bit longer, um, we would have gotten more suspense with what happens to those characters. Well, I feel like with some of the UPP folks, we didn't even really get anything about them because there's the one the one female that's with them that ends up saving the day that's kind of a stand-in for Ripley for like a second. Um, and we, I don't know anything about her really. And it's, it's kind of frustrating cause it's like, she, she's part of this other thing that, that, um, that Hicks is not. So then when Bishop has this big thing at the end, he was like, you know, you guys now realize you have a common enemy. It's like, we get it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just, I never really got a sense of identity other than like that these two sides don't like each other. And I, I do wonder, was the no guns thing originally part of this? Because... Uh, at least when they were writing the screenplay, because there's a point where like, oh, there's no guns here either. And then, you well, know, they're like, well, these point, suits yeah. have guns you can use. So yeah, I'm wondering the, if that the was fist a stipulation. Guns, yeah. <laughs> the fist guns that I didn't understand what they were the first time yeah. I saw them until later when Hicks grabs one and becomes, you know, uh, Doomfist and it, just like, you know, shooting. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's like an Iron Man glove almost. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that was at the time because I think when Sigourney Weaver came back, she made like that as part of a stipulation. What is supposed to be implied about Anchor Point is that it's not a military base. It's been described as a mall. Yeah. Like, and I didn't really get that from the comic other than Newt walking around saying, where the hell is Anchor Point? Like basically yeah. like the shirt is like, oh, I got all the way to Anchor Point. All I got was this lousy shirt. That's the only thing I got from it. It was like this, like, it, it was basically, um, oh, what was, what was the name of the mall here that was the big one that was built in Cleveland that was like abandoned for like 20 years? Tower uh, City? Not Tower. <laughs> no, it was, it was oh, uh, anyway. So it was it was a dying mall is what uh, it was. And uh, so there was there were scientists there and then a couple maintenance people felt like, and that was it. But I never got the vibe that this was like a shopping center or like a, a touristy trap destination, which is kind of what I felt like it was supposed to be like a spaceport. Never got that vibe. Deep Space Nine kind of thing. Yeah, I guess so. Um, well, you know, the Rodina base is like this military base and I never really got the vibe from that either. Other than there's yeah. military personnel, but so that explains why there wasn't guns there because it wasn't really a mil- I just military facility. It was part of her stipulation about yeah. there not being guns, guns can only be there if you make them look like a fist. Yeah. Well, shoot out your knuckles. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and I am, you know, I'm not somebody who owns a gun or is, uh, even somebody who will ever own a gun, but, um, the guns that are in Aliens aren't really the most realistic guns. No. Um, so, like, I, that's why I was like, oh, maybe that's her thing. It's just like, it, it's got to be, if it's a gun, it's, it can't look like a something that can be replicated. So. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, I don't think that was with this. But, okay. so, 
I think this was an interesting way to present this because it, you know obviously this exists. I am I am interested now in the audio drama because I'm hoping because I didn't want to front sell our conversation about that part of the news that it kind of papers over some of the, the issues I have with the pacing and the characterizations of this. Mm-hmm. If it's plotted out a little better and you actually hear the different voices of the people involved, you'll start to identify some characters. Um, I'm willing to give the story another chance. I'm not saying I didn't like it because I did. When people say that this is the film that should have been made, I don't think that's necessarily true either. I will say that I, I liked it better than Alien Three, but Get I'm not here. saying that. No, I'm, no, I'm not saying that, that. My glasses are filling up full of blood right now. No. <laughs> I'm not saying that it would have been a better movie either. I'm just saying that, like the, and it, you're right. It is the inverse of what happens with Alien Three, where you don't have Hicks, Newton, and um, and. Uh, Oh, Bishop. I don't know why I blanked on that for a second. Uh, I blanked on Lance Henderson's name earlier. So. I thought that uh, you know this did a nice job of giving us those characters and giving us really like because there's there's a, and we kind of skipped over this. There's a, a whole point where Bishop gets rebuilt from obviously the bottom torso down, um, and there's a discussion about his knees not being able to hold up. And yeah. then he's trying to do something very important in the story, and his knee falls off. Yeah. So again, I didn't pick up on that bit of conversation the first time through. Okay. So I read a sec because I was like, I got to that point. I'm like, wait, why did what? that happen? Because he made a comment of like polycarbon, and I'm like, well, all right, I guess you you know your own body, Bishop. And uh, and but then when I read it a second time, it's like they set that up. But it was actually like once you're aware, it's a pretty good gag. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it gets a, it gets weird there, and um, but it also felt like I, I as I was reading it, I felt like it was, I felt like both the portrayal and the way it was drawn, it felt like Lance Henriksen actually playing that character. Yeah, and I felt like all the characterizations, at least in this, were spot on. Yeah, I'll agree with that. So, um, I, you know, like so, we spoiled some of the comic for you. However, it's been out. I guess it's, the story's been available for a while. You can look on the Wikipedia; the whole thing's around there too. Uh, but six I mean, bucks. If, if our conversation is what's keeping you from reading it, like I don't think we spoiled that much about it. No, like, there's I, aliens, I would, people die, and Bishop his knee is bad. I'm sorry, I, that's, that's, I have to imagine if you're a big aliens fan, I can't imagine you wouldn't want to pick this up. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's worth the time. I think um, I know we didn't spend as much time on this as we did the film, um, and also, also the film has a little bit more history with it because of the production and it has the baggage of, of the two movies before it. While this this comic does too, but because it's like you know because it never got made, you could kind of still just treat it like okay, let's see what would have been. You yeah. know, like I, I kind of wish. Sorry, I'm cutting you off again. That. Del Toro would get together with somebody and just make a Hellboy three comic. I don't know why they don't. That, like, honestly, that, that would be. I, I want to know the end of his story. Like get to, get with my Magnolia and actually just do that. And like, I, I haven't I haven't seen the new Hellboy and I haven't listened to specifically because I don't want to not be spoiled. But like I know El Goro did a uh, I believe it was a Patreon he did. episode yes. about Hellboy, so I don't really have any opinions of that. But. At the same time, I would be curious to see, like, and I don't understand, like, it's already a comic book. Like, why wouldn't Del Toro just be like, hey, like, Mike, just, let's do this? Just shut up and take my money. Yeah. I, I would, because I want to know that story. But so, and I think that there's, you know, there's the potential here for this type of explore, you know, exploring of other things. We talked about that earlier. Um, it, because, and you're right, the first half of this, this book is so not slow, but so exposition heavy that. 
Yeah, it could have been done in a movie. I don't know because you talk about the tension. There's not a lot of tension in the third film because you don't feel like the alien's close by. Even though this thing kind of goes a little batshit crazy in the end, I just don't know if you'd feel like that situation building until you got to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, I mean, maybe that was the point. I don't know. Uh, it would it, Since it's not going to be made into a film, it's hard to say how it would play. Um, I do feel like it was a bunch of, let's get through all this and then six pages of action at the end. Yeah. And that it was not frustrating. It is what it is. And I am glad that I read it and I'm glad that we have to talk about it. But and I, I yeah. will say, I, I can think of a, another comparison um, to this uh, Kevin Smith's Green Hornet uh, script, which I never even saw the Seth Rogen version of the movie. And I don't, had a lot of experience with that character, but um, my wife bought me the um, comic adaptation of it. Uh, they took Kevin Smith's script and had an artist okay. do it. Um, so that's very much in a similar vein. Um, and maybe it's because I don't have a lot of uh, experience with the Green Horror. I would say that this was a more enjoyable experience for me. Um, but it's still cool to see those types of things. And I hope we get more of these types of things. Um, you know, I mean, I'm kind of curious to know what Tim Burton's third Batman movie would have been. Like, I'd like to see an adaptation of that. Or, um, there's a number of movies that never got made that they could do as cool comics. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully we get to see more of that kind of stuff in the future. Yeah. Like, let's see uh, Zack Snyder's director's cut of, uh, justice league as a comic. You know what? It's money they could make. Like, even if I'm not a fan, like, why not? Yeah. You know? I No, I agree. So, all right. Um, yeah. So Alien 3 times 2 is 6. I don't know. That doesn't make sense. Did you ever call it Alien Cubed? <laughs> no, I did not. I would um, do that all the time as a joke, but... Um, that, right. that makes sense. Uh, that I, I don't know math, but that makes sense. So that's going to do it for our discussion about these aliens. Uh, you guys can find us on Facebook. We're in Invasion of the Podcast. Um and then you can also find us on our evasionpodcast.com where I have the blog. We've talked so much, like you can hear, like even literally, like the the, the, the pimping part of the show where it's like, you can find us here and there. And- <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, <laughs> it, it, um, I, I'm running on little sleep and going to the gym and talking about Alien. And it's, it's just like, you know, I need to go into a hypersleep pod for a while and then have an alien queen be, uh, and, you know, and put shoved down my throat. Uh, no, you can find <laughs> we have invasionofthepodcast.com. It's our blog. Uh, I'm writing about our year of the canon. You guys can see uh, my Sword of the Valiant write up and some fun Sean Connery bits. Um, that implies like nudity. Yeah, maybe. You don't know. Look at the blog. Uh, you can find us <laughs> on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Music, wherever you, you know, get your podcast. Uh, find us, rate it, and review us. That'd be great. Uh, and Steve. Um, how can people find you additionally? I think it's probably also the fact that I I'm I pointed out mainly because I am terrible at the whole like uh, oh tell people about about yourself and then I'm like I'm a person. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, most recent thing that's going to be coming up first is the uh, free comic book day at Carolyn John's uh, Friday night, May third. Myself and my partner, who you heard last week on. Uh, on Invasion with with us, talking about Invasion USA. Ryan Cassandia are going to be at uh, Free Comic Book Day from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. doing free sketches there. Come out. It's a great time. There will be beer, free comics, uh, a, a slew of local artists doing free sketches. It's a really good time. Uh, it'll also be going on Saturday. I, won't, I don't believe I'll be there Saturday. Uh, I know Ryan will be there for some of that. Um, but go, A, support 
uh, Carolyn Johns. Like, if you're going to get free comics and beer and free sketches, awesome. Um, but like, there's also a lot of opportunity for you to to, to show them some love because they'll they'll have great sales, and a lot of the artists there will be selling their wares. So. Um, after that, obviously, Retro Invasion Weekend, May 31st through June 2nd. I've been talking about it for the last four months, so hopefully you guys are aware of it. It's going to be in Westlake, Ohio. Um, great guest lineup. Come see us. Come out. Buy some comics and art. And uh, you can even meet some of the other celebrities, but come see us. <laughs> uh, and then uh, a month later, June 29th and 30th, we'll be at Dark X Fest in Hudson, Ohio. Whew. Yeah. All right. So, and then also, I will be, and Steve will be there as well at uh, friend of the show, Jeff Ritchie. He's doing an awesome David Bowie, uh, like music, art thing. It's called Aladdin Sane. It's going to be at the Cleveland Bop Stop. It is May 9th uh, at 7 p.m. Tickets are $10. Buy tickets, show up, have a great time. Uh, yeah. It's David Bowie. Like, how could you not have a good time with yeah. music and art and things who know i don't even know what all else is going to be there but it's going to be a good time and jeff has been just running all over god's half acre putting this together so ten dollars is a very small price to f- see this very awesome thing that's going to happen yeah i mean that's going to the movies and like you know this is an interactive experience where you're going to see all these different things so plus there'll be beer yeah there you go so all right um that's the do it for the pimping part of things. So yeah. let's get on to our out of this world nacho hat edition. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> nacho, nacho man. I want to be a nacho man. So we're using the nacho hat. Uh, well, RIP nacho hat. We have a bowl here, but we like using saying the words nacho hat. Uh, so I, I wrote down eight aliens from uh, different parts of pop culture, and Steve's going to pick them out two at a time and tell me who would win in a fight with these aliens, and we're going to determine uh, which is the best alien. I know it, it's something we've done on the show many times, but it's always fun to see Steve's reactions because he doesn't know what aliens I've written down here. So let's do that all righty so i'm reaching into the nacho hat slash bowl uh first one here i got is just a critter a critter yeah a critter not a bunch of them forming a giant ball but i almost just wrote one. that down but i feel like that would win everything <laughs> oh my god this this might be a wonderful matchup it's mac i'm assuming mac of <laughs> mac, mac and, and, me. and me yeah um yeah i think i think well, you know, he does survive like an explosion at the end of the movie, so yeah. maybe he would survive. And he's a very stretchy, and um, I, he likes <laughs> drinking Coke. I don't know. I got nothing. I'm sure if if there had been some promotion behind Critters, they would enjoy drinking a Coke as well. They just <laughs> yeah. didn't have a sweet deal with McDonald's and Coke. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to have to give this to a Critter because, as we all know, as, as Paul established a long time ago, Critters are life. Yes. All right. So we've got the Critters moving on, yep. and Mac Mac is going away. Mac is going away. See, his... we should find the unproduced script for the sequel to that <laughs> and burn it. <laughs> <laughs> Mac and Mies. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of a clever name, and no, I can't think he just, of like. He ends up shacking it like in a house with like two twins that are disabled in wheelchairs. Then, oh like, my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh no, man! One, one, you know, one came over his legs, one came over his arms. So <laughs> together, they just make one functional person. <laughs> That's horrible, but I'd see that movie. You're laughing. I know. Paul Rudd would love it. Yeah. All right, our next matchup we got here is Elf, as in not Elf, but Elf, as in alien life form, uh, from Mel Mac. 
And then uh, we've got uh, Goose the Flurkin from Captain Marvel. Yes. All righty. So this is a tough one. But Alf eats cats. cats. Yeah, I know. But I'm. Pretty... I didn't even realize that when I wrote these down. So yes. <laughs> so it's a good matchup right off the bat. <laughs> um, but I will say that. But Goose isn't a cat. He's, he's a flurkin. He's a flurkin. And I feel like that would be Alf's big loss. Would be he'd be like, "Ooh, look, a delicious cat." And then why is this eating me from the inside? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would be awesome! Like he just picks up goose and like just downs him whole, and then suddenly goose eats bursts him out like a chest chest yeah. yeah, so I think we're giving this to to goose the flurkin. Okay, all right. So our next matchup here uh, does not involve any disabled people, as far as I know. You don't know that. Um, You're gonna be got... like disabled twins in wheelchairs. Like what? That's not even an alien. Oh, the Great Gazoo. I don't know why I read The Great Garbo. I'm like, <laughs> The Great Garbo? Because my hair is bad. <laughs> uh, leprechaun in space. I don't know that that technically qualifies as an alien, sir. <laughs> um, but, you know, I don't even know where they are well, in the Well, he run. shows up on another planet. He would be an alien to them, right? <laughs> well, I guess that's So you fair. got Leprechaun in space. <laughs> I guess if he goes to the Great Gazoo's pet planet... Um, you know, and I don't even know where they were in the franchise at that point because I don't think they were at the end. I feel like they had like four more movies come out after. Oh, that. I thought about the Great Gazoo. I'm like, no, no. that was towards the end. No, because <laughs> yeah. um, no, the because uh, the fourth one was in space, right? Because the third one, I, I've not seen these films, so I I've seen the first one under duress. Um, my wife wanted to watch it, so we watched yeah. it. Uh, but the second one, uh, what was it? Um, whatever number two, but isn't three in the hood? And then the fourth no. one's in space, and then the fifth one's like back in the hood. Uh, maybe they're in that order. I don't mm. know technically what the order is. Uh, I just know that uh, we sat and tried to like watch them, and we got about halfway through the second one, and we're like, "Yeah, I don't know that I really need to go any further with this franchise." We're gonna find um, out right now. We're gonna figure out this order. I think the most interesting thing about Leprechaun is it's it's got a pre Friends Jennifer Aniston in it. So. Well, isn't it Warwick Davis that's also the Leprechaun too? Sure, but he's okay. not Jennifer Davis or Jennifer uh, Aniston. That's true. Um, so we got Leprechaun, Leprechaun Two, Leprechaun Three, Leprechaun. 4, Four in space, Leprechaun in the hood. So he must have crashed back in the ground, and then then the immediate sequel, Leprechaun back to the hood, and then Leprechaun Origins, and then Leprechaun Returns, which just came uh, out uh, two years ago. And it wasn't isn't like the WWE yes. somehow involved now? Yeah. So uh, I where is it at? Um, I don't know entirely who's all in it, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hornswoggle. From the WWE, I, I think I um, remember you telling me this now. Yeah, who goes by Swoggle on the independent circuit, and he's out all the Cleveland stuff. So yeah. if you want to meet someone who was in the Leprechaun film, you could go do that. They really. couldn't get John Cena for it. Well, he you just can't see him. Oh. <laughs> Alrighty, I guess I guess we'll go back to our actual fight here. <laughs> um, you know, the Great Kazoo, I, I remember being more of a like a Mister uh, Mixel Pitalik uh, character. Is that how you pronounce being, that? So here's the thing: if you watch Super Friends growing up, he it was pronounced Mixelplix, right? Oh yeah. Uh, I believe in the Superman. Wow, this is really geeky territory. The animated Super Superman series from like '97, uh, they pronounced it as Mixelpitalik. Okay, and, which I think is right. how like you know. There have been factions that have been warring over how to pronounce it, but uh, the UPP and then the Colonial. <laughs> um. But yeah, I believe that's how it's pronounced. 
to be fair, though, I didn't know how Mjolnir was uh, pronounced. I don't even think I said it right there, right there um, until the first Thor movie. So, um, And even then, I think he just yells hammer half the time. Uh, again, this is how badly we don't want to discuss who would win between uh, the Great Gazoo and uh, Leprechaun, Leprechaun in space. space. I'm going to go Leprechaun in space. They both space. have magic powers, too. They do. but They I have both wish-granting powers. I don't ever remember the Great Gazoo ever doing anything good. Well, did Leprechaun do anything good? <laughs> um, he, 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 I know. Um, I, yeah, I just <laughs> deflated right there on... Uh, uh, I, I think well, he's just meaner than the kazoo. Yeah, yeah, we'll give it to him for being mean. Sure. Um, uh, and we're down to our last two of the, the first, first round. round. Yeah. Um, I got uh, Mork versus E.T. This is a, wow, I, I'm kind of surprised. You went some, some like, not, you know, uh, obscure ones, but, like, these. when you said aliens, I was picturing, like, you know... Star Trek and Star Wars and <laughs> like, things. My mind blanked on all that. And, like, yeah. uh, and I was like, a little behind the baseball, behind behind baseball, inside baseball, whatever, behind home plate, whatever sports analogy works best. Steve comes over. He's like, "Hey, Paul, did you have the game worked out tonight?" I'm like, "Shit!" And I just realized <laughs> that it was my week to do it. So I'm just like, "Aliens," writing it down on a piece of paper. And then, so Star Trek never occurred to me. Star Wars never <laughs> occurred to me. <laughs> All righty. Well, back back to the game at hand. Mork versus E.T. I feel like I've got to give it to Mork only because E.T. just comes here and, like, you know, while he does have a good time, he drinks a beer, he hangs out with Elliot. His um, finger lights up. I think, doesn't Mork drink milk with his finger? Yes, he does. Okay. Um, he also he, has the power of cocaine, I think, is also. <laughs> yes. Um, and he, he, he took on the Fonz, and E.T. never took on the Fonz. That's true. So uh, he did lose to Fonzie, don't get me wrong, because Fonzie was too cool for Mork. But What uh, about Fonzie in space? <laughs> um. I'm going to go with Mork on this one just because uh, the power of Robin Williams is stronger than that of uh, of whatever the E.T. is. E.T. Deborah Winger um, slash whoever it was doing the voice It wasn't Deborah Winger, but yeah. I all thought right, it was so, Deborah Winger. I didn't think so. Uh, okay. I could um, be wrong so we got that. All right. So round two. Well, real quick here. We got a... Uh, we'll see here. This is going to be uh, crazy. Oh. Good thing I didn't do 64 of them. All right. <laughs> That'll never happen again. All right. All right. Round two. 64 of them would be. Yeah. It would be long. Um, all righty. So this we've the got. The semifinals. Uh, a critter uh, versus uh, Goose the Flurkin. Um, I don't know. I, as much as I like the critters and. Both of them are eating machines. I'll say they're that they're both eating machines. And like, as much as I, I currently don't subscribe to Shutter. I am curious to watch that uh, Critters TV show. But by all accounts, everything I've heard about it is not good. In the trailer, I got to be honest, didn't look that no, great either. Yeah. Um, so on just the pure it strength, doesn't of, live up to the quality of the third and fourth films. <laughs> well, you know, one of them had Leonardo DiCaprio in it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go just based on the strength of their productions this year. Goose the Flurkin is going to win uh, because a critter um, ended up in a TV show that was originally supposed to be, I believe, made for like a Verizon TV app. And then uh, was a Go 90 or something like that. Mm, and then weird, weird. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to give it to Goose uh, as much as I love the Kreitz. Goose wins um, for no other reason than it made a billion dollars this year. <laughs> Critters is catching up. 
It's <laughs> that's true. It had a head start. You know, there was a time whenever critters had made more money than Captain Marvel for for like twenty <laughs> some for, years. Well, thirty years, yeah, I think. So actually, like, you so. got to represent. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I do love the first two critters movies, so uh, it's got that going for it. Uh, we're left with uh, Leprechaun in Space versus Mork. Um, <laughs> I, I do feel like Mork would have more tricks up his bag, but I also feel like... Tricks up his bag? bag. <laughs> I just, you don't want to go reaching out for tricks out of Mork's bag. <laughs> tricks up his sleeve. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> it is shocking sometimes when I listen to this and I'm like... What, what was I talking about? What did yeah, I, I say? I don't listen did, to myself that often. Where did, where did um, my turn of phrase come from? Yeah. He also um, has suspenders he could snap. Like, that's but, true. But they'd be against himself. Rainbow suspenders will always beat uh, a top hat, and uh, I guess... And he lives in higher altitudes in, in Denver, right? Thanks. So I'm sure he has a little bit more cardio than the leprechaun. And let's be honest, in Colorado... Weed's legal there. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't know if cocaine is, but you know, I'm sure. I'm just saying that, like, if you're gonna, he could summon uh, his son Jonathan Winters to the fight. Um, <laughs> although, although to be fair, I guess Leprechaun in space. You know, I, I don't know that weed's legal in space. So, uh, <laughs> I feel like space is international waters. Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's okay. If you're in space, you can pretty yeah, much if, do whatever if, you want. If I call you from space and be like, I just killed somebody, it's like, <laughs> yeah, well. You're in space, dude. Like, okay, you're right, you're right. I'm not like, you know. Fine. Um, right, so that leaves us with who? So um, I, I want to go with Mork, but there's a part of me that feels like Leprechaun is vicious. Um, he will do many awful things to people mm-hmm. uh, or does many awful things to them. And say terrible one-liners, which and makes say, things worse. Yeah. And uh, I, I, as much as I love Roman Williams, I'm going to have to go with the Leprechaun on just the sheer tenacity of the leprechaun to do awful things to people so we got the leprechaun versus the flurkin the versus flurkin. goose the flurkin yeah and uh you know again i don't know that we've ever actually seen the leprechaun take on anything that wasn't human but again i never made it past the second movie i mean so. you don't know maybe in space it's all things up there you don't know that's true yeah. um he finds Jason X up there. They, they just hang out. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is funny, like how many different uh, franchises end up in space. Oh, Friday Thirteenth. Yeah, by the Hell way, Razor. Jason X is available on Netflix right now to watch. So that and uh, Jason goes to Hell, which I don't recommend. But Jason X is there. So I don't know how long it's going to be there for, but you guys should watch that. Yeah. Um, let's see. I I feel like. <sighs> We don't know the full extent. Like we, we've got eight movies worth of Leprechaun's moves, and I don't think he really goes beyond doing just simple like, not tricks, but he he will you know manipulate people and kill them in funny ways. Whereas I feel like with Goose, he did have a cosmic cube inside of him. Yeah, he had the Tesseract inside of him. He also got to hang out with Nick Fury. Um, so. Those are two big things right away that, like, if if I'm calling somebody and I know their backup is Nick Fury, I'm going to give them the win. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. So, so right. uh, Tesseract eating, Nick Fury hanging out with Goose the Flurkin wins our alien round robin in the Nacho Hat of Death tonight. Yes. All right. So, that's going to do it for us this week. So, some programming notes for the next couple of weeks. Uh 
we're actually not going to be doing this show for two weeks straight. Um, because, you know, we just need time off. No, uh, next week, uh, and, and we, we keep bringing him up, but we're going to be on Talk Without Rhythm. Uh, uh, so uh, to talk about um, when El Goro show, kicking off his uh, his month of animation, we're going to be on there discussing uh, two animated films. Uh, Steve, what's the first one? The first one is Spider-Man Into the, Un- Into the Spider-Verse. Well, no, the, the, uh, no, the other one. The other one. Oh, right. Star Wars. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't know what. Well, order never mind. We're I guess we're not, no, no, no. Uh, so, okay, yes, the yeah. one that I, I I brought to the table. Um, we're going to be looking at the Gendy Tartakovsky uh, Star Wars Clone Wars series, uh, which was originally aired as on Cartoon Network in three minute segments and then in five minute segments for the second half. Um, but then when you put them together, they make basically what would take place between Episode Two and Episode Three. Cool. So, yeah, we'll be doing that, and then um, we'll also be talking about the Spider-Verse, Steve, and that. But, yeah, that's what we're <laughs> going to be doing. Uh, so it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, that will come out uh, the weekend of May 4th, so it's going to be Free Comic Book Day weekend. That's yeah. when it's come out. So uh, there, you, know, you are going to hear us for a little while, but I'm sure you guys will, will be excited. We'll and, post it when it happens. And to it's be fair, be you could see us live in person and in, in over the next two weeks more than you could hear us. So, <laughs> yeah. like, come to Aladdin Sane. Come to Free Comic Book Day if you want to see us. Yeah, and then we're taking the, the next week off because of Aladdin Sane, and, and I'm sure Steve will, need, will be hungover from Free Comic Book Day from drawing. Yes, all the drawing, uh, and uh, you know we'll have uh, you know stickers. I'll have stickers. Uh, we've got free invasion of the podcast stuff that we give out. We've got stickers and magnets. Yeah. So uh, come to the table at Free Comic Book Day, and I'm sure we'll probably have some on us at Aladdin Sane. We'll be happy to give you one. Yeah, so or twelve. Yeah, um, we may or may not sneak in some Infinity. Sorry, in game talk between now and then. We'll see how that goes. So. For all intents and purposes, we're not going to be doing this for two weeks, but it may show up, and we may post it if it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, I'm really looking forward to uh, some Spider-Man talks, like because we never do this on the show, and some Star Wars talk, which we never do on the show, uh, on a different show. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. So <laughs> We're basically bringing the two things we talk about <laughs> yeah. the most here like, to here someone else's show. And then it'd be like, hey, 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 I know we're supposed to talk about two movies, but I have this Batman here. Like, <laughs> just, you know, um so, yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Had a lot of fun talking about Alien. Uh, a lot of fun making Steve watch Alien 3. Uh, have a good week. Have a happy Alien Day. And watch the assembly cut of Alien 3. And then tell me why I'm wrong and tell Steve why he's right. And then read a comic book. Like, read the comic. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. check it out. <laughs>